0: Hey everybody, it's Conan O'Brien here, telling you to listen to the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. It's one of the best podcasts around, and if you love it as much as you love my podcast, you're really gonna love things. Once again, this is Conan O'Brien. Conan O'Brien, celebrity voices, first name. What up, turd birds and nerd birds, and uh, what up, my. Favorite little robotic friend. Hi, how you doing? Hi, Junkie. I hope you're doing well this afternoon. I am doing good. Can you say that one more time? Say something. I need to... Out your wonky,
1: wonky, spanky, spanky.
0: Here we go. Let me turn you up a little bit. Say that again, you dirty little monkey.
1: Wonky, wonky, spanky, spanky.
0: All right. You're good. I'm good. We're all good. Hey, this is going to be a really uh, quick episode of creative writing. We're going to do some IMS wrap up. Plus, we got some exciting news coming up. And uh, I can barely hear myself over this fabulous music. This is from our friends over at Dad Bod, And the uh, name of the album is My Life with the Filthies, or something like that. Um, yeah, stick around Let's get into this uh, episode of Creative Writing Episode 269 <laughs> I don't know what it is Alright, let's get into this show Moto1 Podcast Network Creative Riding, America's weird uncle of motorcycle podcasts. We're the big sounding podcast with the tiniest following. We're brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. For more details, head over to patreon.com forward slash creative Writing to find out more. Now, doing a crazy, crazy show. Woo! Woo! Yeah. I feel it all. Turn this off. Hey, everybody. Welcome. (laughs) Don't turn it off yet. Welcome to episode 264 of the Creative Writing Motor Stinky Pod Kickle. Motorcycle Pod Kickle. Uh, I am your host, Junkie Turdman. Thank you, Tobor, for potting us up there. Uh, Tobor, by the way, what did you say during our sound check there?
1: Wonky, wonky, spanky, spanky. (laughs)
0: Ah! (laughs) <laughs> I don't remember programming that into your word bank. Not that I program everything into your word bank, but where did you hear that from? I heard it coming from your room. Oh, toes coming in hot with the devious licks. I don't know if that's what that's called. I'll give. I'll show you some devious licks, though. You crappy son of a gun. Uh, anyway, so uh, welcome to episode two hundred and sixty-four. Uh, I hope you enjoyed last week's Cheesehead Extravaganza. We had the honor, not last week's last shows, uh, Cheesehead Extravaganza. We had the uh, the privilege to talk to two of Milwaukee's great, Milwaukee's greatest we did it suddenly turn into yoga there <laughs> to yoga dude I, I just need to take a chill pill I'm, I'm amped right now in life um, uh, Yoda's yoga though I'm gonna write a write, a, write a write to Steven Spielberg and see if we can uh, Yoda's yoga okay, okay cool um, anyways so yeah we, we were we were lucky to have two of uh, Milwaukee's most finest with us I hope you got to check out the flat out Friday by now it's out on probably the uh, it's probably for free somewhere now but um, it was it was a uh, Pay-per-view event. We were lucky enough to catch some of the action live, and man, it looked super fun. And uh, it was just great to f- and and fun to watch. You know, two people in person that you had just talked to the week previous. So I hope you all get a chance to check that out. I really love the inappropriate stuff that goes down at. Flat Out Friday <laughs> Pardon me And uh, The You know Not not only watching The, the cool flat track action And all the classes But then seeing like An outhouse Racing around It was just It was pretty amazing Little porta potty. potty uh, The jet ski bike Which I thought was pretty cool And I believe took the um, That bike took the win In the inappropriate class With the Hulk Hogan Wannabe 80's man on it And Just the spirit That whole vibe the spirit of Mama, uh, Mama Tried and Flat Out Friday was pretty awesome, so uh, yeah, that was that was really fun to see, and it was awesome to see one of our patrons on there. Uh, you heard Narissa talking about Buildmodo. If you get a chance, go to buildmodo.com and please check that out. It is one of the few programs out there uh, bringing back shop class. You know, over the past few years, there's been cuts to education in the. Uh, the arts and the music and uh, shop classes one of those things that got got cut uh, a lot of the, the finer uh, fine arts and if you consider like mechanical know-how and skill of fine art you know that is it's all getting cut and you heard her you heard her mention uh, Moto Go in Cleveland, which is a very similar a very similar program bringing back shop class. And so uh, yeah, it's a different way to teach stem to kids and it's a different way to teach these skills that are kind of going away. And at one time you could get an education in uh, you know many just many different, uh, areas that would have, that would eventually uh, come to help you with, when all these uh, segments, business segments are, are growing and blossoming and things like that. But now we're to the point where manufacturing has kind of gone away and everything's become a service industry, so we need to bring some of that stuff back, some of that know-how back and people don't even know how to change their tire anymore. They left that to some dum-dums and it's like, hey, we need more dum-dums because it turns out those are the smart smarts. So it's really fun to see that uh, and see people showing the build program and it's not just uh mechanic you know it's not just building a motorcycle it is uh there's a whole marketing aspect to it and a whole social media aspect to it and then there's the presentation the the performance the pit crew aspect that she was talking about there's a whole bunch of different things that go into this program uh, that's really special and so if you get a chance if you're if you're a girl that's interested or you know a girl that's interested in the Iron Angels full on you got to uh, I just hope to, I hope we hear that uh, that their team is filling up and everything is is looking good this year for 2022. Um, on top of that, like I said, Flat Out Friday was a pleasure to watch. Uh, before we get too far. Let me, see your Let me get our show notes up here. Before we get too far into the weeds, we need to do something here. We need to say our little disclaimer for the week and get to the word of the week. Uh, so, hey, listen, everybody. The views and opinions of the participants of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast are those of the participants and do not reflect the policy, position, or opinions of Creative Writing, the Moto1 Podcast Network, any of our affiliates, and any opinion is the respective participants and is not intended to malign anyone or anything. I had to reach over here and get my my notes. The, uh, even, we don't want to align Can-Am X3 Smart Shocks uh, drivers or Polaris RZR Trails and Rocks Edition riders. Put those back over here. Yes, we do actually have paper notes on this show. We still kill trees and write stuff down the old way. Uh, look it up, by the way. That's, uh... These are a new, renewable resource. We would never kill something on purpose. Uh, anyway, so listen, we have a couple things to talk about. Uh, some show events that came up, and some the word of the week. Let's get the uh, let's do get some show events out of the way first. So, first things first, That I want to talk about was Tobor and I. Well, Tobor, you sat with me. We watched uh, this weekend's Bagger Racing League uh, at Sonoma Raceway, and I do have to say, our very own lovable, huggable hooligan Jesus was out there on track and uh it was fun it was watching you know watching that the motorcycle races were it's just so much it's like flat out Friday it's way more fun when you know somebody out there uh doing the thing uh Tobor what did you think of the racing the
1: motorcycle racing was a success
0: (laughs) okay very good (laughs) yes it was a success uh there was a couple offs but uh you know that's that happens with every every racing um You know, uh, it was really cool to see the baggers out there and everything from, uh, you know what? Actually, Tony Salima and Wiggins, um... They picked up some hardware, we'll talk about that in a sec But Corey West was out there with his Fiance, Patricia Fernandez, and I think She beat him, and so it was just really fun To see every, a whole bunch of different Classes out there at one time um, And yes, our very own Wigs, he walked Away on a, on a, his Buell XB9, so there was Buell's Indian FTR's, uh, Tony Salima From Shred Moto Co He was out there, and he took up uh, I think it was third or second or third place in his Class on a. Mm, the Pan America, which I want to say was, um, it was in the same class as you could do the Pan America or the Sportster S, and it was against the like FTRs and stuff like that. Uh, not not racing his old uh, Dyna or his uh, race Bob as he called it. Uh, like I think he had a new Softail, um, Street Bob or Fat Bob or something like that. Uh, and so there was a lot of those class. There was a Dyna class out there, and, old you know the a uh, little bit older bikes. Um, like I said, Wigs. Took third in the Icon Lightweights class, the Lightweight Twins. So that was pretty cool to see him take a piece of hardware, a little jewelry home, Uh, a nice little plaque for Bagger Racing League. And it was really cool because this is a little bit different than the Mission King of the Baggers racing. It is the same, um, you know, it is sponsored by mission and it's the same sort of thing, but the King of the Baggers is really with the Moto America, uh, like support class. And this was, is just the bagger racing thing is, is his own thing. So there was people from, you know, Jake Johnson, the flat tracker, Corey West was out there. There was a couple, um, who else was out there, uh, Ben Bostrom was out there. Uh, Shame Narbonne There was a lot of a lot of people out there uh, from other race series, and uh, it was just really cool to see uh, see them out there and see you know people just trying to. Whoops! Something's up here. Hang on one sec. Uh, maybe nothing's up. I just had to double check there. Something's looking a little weird on our editing software, and I don't want to record this whole episode then have it. Uh, all the pieces here later. It's just showing us a ghost, huh? Okay. Anyways, uh, Bagger Racing League was fun. Um, Wiggins had a huge smile. Tobor, what did you think about seeing Wiggins out there on the old, uh, you know, just seeing him up there on the podium, um, smiling? Wiggins looked
1: very happy on the podium.
0: <laughs> okay. Great, Tobor. <laughs> yes, he did. So it, w- it was cool to... <laughs> very Nice. Tobor, you're, you're a smart. You're very smart. Uh, by the way, we're, we're, we'll talk about you in a sec, Tobor. We've been working on some upgrades with Tobor uh, over the summer. So, um, Tobor, what do you... Actually, we've been working on some vocal upgrades and we've been working on uh, a new body. We've been working on models for you. Um, what do you think of all that stuff? Like, what do, what do you think of like all the improvements that we have planned for you for 2020? The models of my future upgrades are uh, nice. You're terrible, Tobor. Why don't we just take a quick break and come back to the word of the week? We'll be right back. (laughs) Tobor, you're an idiot. (laughs) Holidays are just around the corner, and you know what that means. It's time to head down to Braun Towers, choose Motorsports Fun Palace, and refer to secondhand medical equipment resellers. Looking for some great gift ideas for the holiday season? Brown Towers has you covered. Surprise that special family member with one of these great deals. A 2016 Africa Twin, $32,000. A 2009 Yamaha Rhino, $8,000. 2001 CRF 450R, $7,500. A 2020 Husqvarna 500 EXC, $16,000. Oops, the decimal place was in the wrong spot. $160,000. A 2019 Kawasaki Ninja H2 Carbon? Call for pricing. We have the lowest prices in Minnesota guaranteed. Brawn Towers. We put the fun in. Fun to shop at Braun Towers for great holiday specials. Braun Towers! Braun Towers. We're of to fill the name. Riding is brought to you by Millman's Chocolate Chips. Millman's for long-distance truckers and motorcyclists on a long road trip. Millman's features enriched cocaine and skink pheromones. Millman's I Killed a Ninja. Millman's Chocolate Chips. For over 131 years and several months, Claude Mintz has been supplying quality pickles to motorcyclists the world over. Legendary icons such as Sylvester Roper, Oscar Headstrong, William Harley, Bessie Stringfield, Frank Willoughby Cotton, Evil Knievel, Nikki Hayden, and Sachiro Honda have all quenched their desires for a thick, juicy pickle sliding across their greasy, willing lips with none other than a fine specimen from Klobman's. Join the Hall of Fame, win your first race, and the judges. Put a Klobman's in your mouth and a championship trophy on your shelf. Klobman's, not for dreamers, for doers the only pickle for motorcyclists it helps if i turn this up <laughs> that might work uh tobor that was your job homeboy uh so listen up everybody um I also we have got some show show announcements coming up here sorry I keep looking down eat the mic baby eat the mic I am I uh, just looking at some some of these notes too I was surprised I found these I was just kind of uh, thinking about these the other day so listen here's some uh, some stuff so a little bit of news here before we get into um, the rest of the show we got a hot show coming up for you it's gonna be an IMS outdoors uh, recap uh, but before we get into that this week's uh show events so listen you know sometimes i like to talk about how uh what we're gonna do for 2022 every year i do that hey, you know why we got some plans big plans for next year and i end up just trolling everybody because i never really do <laughs> what i said i was gonna uh or sometimes the stuff doesn't work out so uh we are doing we do have uh things in the mix for Tobor. we are doing your upgrades that you think are uh whatever you said nice um We are working on some models for Tobor Uh, We we do have some 3D models of Tobor That are small um, Models of him And what we're trying to do We've redone your voice a few times But we just keep coming back to this one Because this is what works And uh, the other one We're still working a few bugs out I'm not a programmer you know, So we're doing it piece by piece Step by step Uh, I have been making a couple molds too And for anybody that's watched our horrible uh, Any of the patrons I think That watched our horrible Uh Unboxing of our heat gun Uh, I did want to say that I have used some Patreon funds, I actually split the difference With Patreon, I didn't use all Patreon funds Um, But the patrons, they keep this show Going, Uh, they're the reason uh, That your ears keep getting decimated uh, Show after show Uh, If you want to blame somebody For the horror that you experience while listening To this podcast, our patrons are the ones To blame, Uh, we use the Patreon Funds to uh, Keep our blog going and uh, get access that helps us keep, keep access to the motorcycle industry in the world and give our comments and stuff like that. Uh, they also pay for hosting. And once in a while, I'll use Patreon funds to upgrade the equipment. So I did want to announce I have recently used Patreon funds to go um, personal funds and Patreon funds to buy an ipad for the show and it's super nice because before i would like have some stuff on my phone have some stuff on the computer but we're running audio here and there and we're trying to look up things here and there so this ipad makes it really nice and i can sync it up across all three platforms when our mute when our um, <clears throat> soundboard goes down I-, I can probably dial up something on the ipad pull the app up or something there or pull a- an app up Uh, Show notes are synced across things. I can go out in the field with my iPad, type it in, bring it back, sync it up to the... uh Sync it up to the old uh, computer And if I did it for my phone And I have to do it Now I can sync it to the iPad And run the audio on the computer So it's really nice Basically, long story short um, And I just wanted to say uh, To the patrons in full transparency That yeah, I have uh, I have done a little bit of upgrade here And bought the show an iPad um, Probably after that late, Later on next year uh, I, I'm thinking about upgrading our field recorder. So I'll keep everybody posted But um, On top of that too Yeah Wiggins Winning the uh, Picking up third place In the Icon Lights class That was pretty cool To watch um, On Fight Club uh, Or Fight TV Sorry Fight Club (laughs) That was great to watch Fight Club If he was out there Beating himself up Um yeah on top of that I, I didn't want to mention too another another friend of the show uh, I just recently uh, came across this podcast that uh, my friend has uh, along with two other guys and they are out of Indiana so I don't know if uh, it seems like so much Indiana in my life right now with the uh, Wiggins and then a couple other guys uh, that I know having a podcast. And their podcast is about films And if you love movies or, or films Like when I grew up, the silent films were all the rage uh, Wait till they had sound, you know, blew, blew people's minds I remember people committing suicide, they didn't think it was I thought it was witchcraft um, But yeah, movies from the good, the bad, and the ugly And they might even have re- reviewed the good, the bad, and the ugly I haven't listened that far back yet But my good friend Chuckles, he is on... Um, this podcast called Film Seizure and go over there, they have a whole bunch of great features and they do some pretty good reviews. I just listened to the Nokomoto Boys' Savage Dawn uh, commentary and that's more MST3K where you, you sit there, you start the audio, you're, you're with them. They Are commenting on what you're seeing on the screen, and this is more of recap stuff or film breakdowns. A lot of times they have some really cool background on the producer or the director or how the the film budget, like you know things like that. They will uh, talk about where things started and where they headed and where they went and the whole uh, impact they had on like that year or generation. So it's a really cool film uh, podcast if you love movies and you love talking about movies or, or listen to people talk about movies. And maybe there's a movie that you forgot about You're like, oh yeah Or like, I-, I never I never realized that God, I watched this movie and I had no idea That's why this movie starred these people Or had this budget And they, they do a lot of talking on that And so it goes from the bizarre They'll do crazy movies, B-movies Lots of the biker B-movies that I've watched Probably would have made the cut All the way to the blockbusters So it's a, it's great uh, So far it's a great podcast it's, I've loved listening to it And it's cool to hear people with their dynamic and knowledge of films get in there it's it's almost like if you love true crime because you like to hear about stuff and you don't like to do the research this is about true film so go give it a check uh film seizure is the the podcast and every monday they do a uh, monster I Mon- very much would like to experience my own seizure one day <laughs> okay well maybe it'll be a film seizure maybe we can program actually the upgrades that we're doing to you in 22 maybe we can program that in there that'd be that'd be awesome um, so, anyways, check it out. Film Seizure. <clears throat> I'm going to choke on my own spit here. Uh, film Seizure, and they have Monster Mondays. Um, they do. They do a whole bunch of other film breakdown stuff. It's a really good podcast. On top of that, other exciting news that's been happening around the motorcycle. Uh, sphere here of people that we've we've Had on the shows, friends of the show People I consider friends of the show at least They keep sending me uh, what's it called Cease and desist and restraining orders I, You know I know they're just kidding That's what friends do uh, Mimi and Moto uh, Mimi and Moto we had them on when they were Releasing their second book And we got to talk to them a little bit about the process Um the target, their goals, things like that. Like how, how is it going to go down? You know, how is all this going to happen? And I, and we hit them up the week before their final push to meet their uh, Kickstarter deadline and lo and behold not only did it hit that deadline it went over and I'd like to think that we interviewed them on Monday we put the show out right away we didn't wait till uh release it till Fridays because we knew that was their cutoff and that whole week it went out I think we interviewed them on Sunday actually and the show ran for a week what do you know it made it out there and it made uh its deadline and it was so cool so many people uh from the motorcycle industry getting involved, but also a few of our patrons getting involved and a few uh, listeners to the show. And I I really felt like, hey, that's powerful. You know, the show actually did something useful for once in its pathetic life. And uh, on top of that, the, uh, what's it called? The, um, the, the, they came back. We had them on the show again. They won the Ames uh, fuel tank, which is the, uh, basically it is for, companies to get partnered with a business mentor, uh, and, and it helps you develop your business and grow your business, and we talk to them, hey, what's coming next? An animated series, toys, you know, this and that, and at this time, they had just finished the book, they were focusing on that, they have a little daughter of their own, but over the last couple of years, I've seen them posting up at Moto America events, and Moto America are big supporters, uh, the people from AIM and the MIC, a lot of those people are big supporters and big proponents, And now uh, I heard that they are coming out with their third book or fourth book. Third book, I believe it is. And it's uh, Mimi and Moto... Uh, underneath the Meteoric Mayhem of Megadeth Or something like that It's a bunch of M's But I mean they always are But but it's something to do with meteors And I'm not sure it's like a meteoric uh, Reign of Doom by Megadeth Or anything like that I made that part up But I know that the book has got to be phenomenal And when we talked they said You know the first book started out for very young readers The second book is for a little bit older readers They are kind of uh, growing the books along with their daughter uh, who was at that point of reading in her life and that stage of reading? So I can imagine that this one is another advancement and uh, age level up, uh, if you will, of, of uh, reading skills and things like that. So it's just great to hear that hey, we didn't just write this book one time for people. it's They continue every couple of years putting out a new book. I imagine it's pretty hard. Um, you know, we talked about all the hurdles that they had to cross to get the first book out and then the second book and when you're doing it from scratch it's just an amazing journey to hear so uh, i'm really stoked that they have uh this new book coming out and if you want to see uh, mimi and moto the, moto the motorcycle monkeys uh, we do have a, a link on our blog page to go over to their uh their website and check out their stuff so go check them out uh, i can't wait for this new book that's coming out uh to appear and uh yeah it's pretty amazing um, what else we got in the news? Just, just that, I guess. So, Tobor, uh, I know we've only been yapping for about another twelve minutes or so, but I think we should take a break really quick here while I get hydrated because <clears throat> I'm about to pass out. Do we do the word of the week? No, let's do the word of the week. Um, Tobor, you, I, I barely ever let you ever do the word of the week. Why don't you give us this week's word of the week? And uh, if you, if this is your first time listening to the show, we used to have a word that we would say. Every show And uh, if one of the other co-hosts That I used to have in here with me Which Wiggins who won uh, The Icon class At the uh, Bag Racing League Is one of our old uh, co-hosts We've been trying to get things together To get back together for recordings But it just hasn't happened yet But we'll see what happens in 2022 uh, but he hated he hated it. He thought, hey, if we say the word of the week, we should just cheer like they did on Pee Wee's Playhouse. Uh, I spent my Saturday mornings cheering for no good reason. And so I said, no, we're not going to do that. What we're going to do is a punishment. And so I had plenty of crappy punishments doled out. Um, so this week, uh, we're going to hear the word of the week. I try to make it motorcycle-related if I can. However, it's a random word generator, and we never know what's going to pop up. So Tobor... Hit your word generating software And let's see what pops up on this week And you go ahead and announce it
1: Beans
0: (laughs) Tobor, you're the most terse, laconic Bastard when you want to be Beans Alright, well, uh, beans How can we relate that to motorcycles? We could say give it the beans Uh, I know Emma Boonton on uh, Motorcycles and Misfits show says that a lot Beans Um, Also, you know what? I was just listening to an old episode of Creative Writing, and I think I might have it in my history here so I can tell you what it is. No, I, I did. I had to look real fast. I, I did, but I forgot that I had started listening to Film Seizure, so I erased it. But, but Wiggins and Chris Simon and I uh, were talking about drag racing and things like that uh, a year ago, I guess it was, or a year and a half ago. And they were nerding out, talking about real motorcycle stuff. And I said, I've heard this theory that if you fart while you're taking off the line on drag racing, it actually can propel you slightly... To do that, I would suggest eating lots of beans. Or pork. Uh, yeah. I don't really have a... I I don't know how to make it motorcycle related. I I guess I have a joke, and it's not even a bean joke, it's a pea joke. You guys want to hear a joke about a legume? I think peas are legumes. Um, If they're not, I know beans are. So what's the difference between beef soup and pea soup? Oh no, I'm sorry. What's the difference between roast beef and pea soup? That's, a, that's, a, yeah, that's, a, that's what it is. What is the difference between roast beef and pea soup? Well, anybody can roast beef. Right. Drum effect in there i'm gonna kill myself but anyways all right everybody we're gonna take a really quick break i need to get hydrated i'm about to to gag on my spit we're gonna make this maybe a short episode we're gonna come back and uh now that the word of the week is official it is beans we're gonna ring the bell and that's it Uh, i can't say it again or else i have to eat a whole can of Oh, oh, you thought i was gonna say it um anyway so yeah let's uh let's take a break. I am going to play a couple commercials and get myself a drink and uh hopefully not pass out here and we'll be right back with some more creative gr- gr- Riv riding. All right, I'm Do you hear that, that is the sound of silence. Are you tired of having your ears filled with noise? Are you tired of that noise being the sound of your own exhaust? Your own screams of panic as you crash your Aprilia fratura off a cliff? Are you tired of listening to your family and friends call your sweet, sweet baby a murder cycle? Well, try Sajinati earplugs, they're guaranteed to keep you from hearing most ambient noise. That includes the low frequency wind noise that other helmets seem to miss. Sirens, horns, Harley-Davidson's, pedestrians screaming, hey, look out, you're gonna run over that baby. All these and more filtered straight out of the old sound pipes thanks to Saginati's patented design. Do you want to block out all oral input from your ride without the hassle of having to go electric? Try Saginati, and you'll never hear again. Sajinati earplugs. Our motto is Aures Sajinati. Hey, creative writers. RP Enterprises wants to remind you of their latest, greatest invention the medicated adhesive graphics strip. This medicated bandage strip is emblazoned with bold graphics depicting infected, pus oozing, disgusting wounds. Whether you have just a minor scratch, a hangnail, or a clean gash, make sure you customize it with the Mags Bandage from RP Enterprises. RP Enterprises is only available at fine retail stores. Woo-hoo! All right, everybody. Welcome back again. Episode 264 of Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. This is going to be... Uh, hopefully a shorter episode. You know how that goes. Junkie uh, tries to say stuff and it's 84 minutes long just to say one dumb thing. I'm going to try to be fast. Um, listen here. A couple weeks ago, we went to the IMS outdoors event here in Southern California and haven't had not been to any of the other ones. Not even the one in Sonoma, which is only a few hours away, uh, the first kicked off the season this year. Uh, so this is my first time going to uh, going to one. And this is the first time I've been in, uh, obviously, in an outdoor event. And I have been going to the motor shows uh, partially, or uh, well, due in part to work at first, and then just afterwards, uh, when we started the podcast, uh, just going as a, uh, you know, content creators, right? And uh, going a little bit more um, objectively when we were a con- content, uh, you know, based on this podcast rather than when I was going there specifically for work-related things. So, having said that i've been going since 2007 so uh uh, quite a while i don't even know how many years that is but uh, i know it's going on 15 somewhere around there and uh, this year is the first year obviously that it was outdoors partially due to covid partially i think that they had it had a year off to uh of rethink the format and rethink the plan and typically how these things go is on uh very few days uh, is it a media day And and i know they do have media days a couple times a year they would have it at the long beach which was the kickoff show typically even back when it was toyota uh, and not progressive international motorcycle shows. I think it started off as Toyota was the uh, the main sponsor. And I believe it wasn't the first stop. It was one of the first stops, like the, maybe the second stop uh, on the tour. And it was always a media day in Los Angeles because we had just, well, partially because all of the off-road, um, off-road, not all, but a majority of the off-road uh, magazines, headquarters, you know, bike headquarters. Uh, a lot of the magazines are here. Uh, Bonnier I think, is here. Um, you know, Kawasaki, KTM, all, all these headquarters, and Honda especially, too. all They're all here in Southern California, in the Irvine, Long Beach area, you know, Southern California, Orange County area to begin with. <clears throat> and... So not only was the motorcycle media here, a lot of old-time motorcycle, you know, there's a lot of uh, old dealers like Bud Eakins and and I think Johnson's Motorcycles and things like that that started here in in Los Angeles Um, and a big, huge scene here because of not only the weather, uh, the proximity to the coast and the dunes and the mountains and all sorts of riding. Um, And... We are not to not to lie and not to not not to discount this fact too. But we're right next to the port of Long Beach, which is one of the biggest ports um, in the United States, and where most of the customs shipping and things like that comes through. So I believe we were the easiest access point for bikes that had been shipped over from ICMA to make it here. And in years past, actually, it was a thing. You would go to the Long Beach show and some of the bikes hadn't cleared customs yet. They were still sitting in a crate waiting at customs to get the paperwork cleared and all that fun stuff before they could make it to the show. And sometimes, some years, it would happen where EICMA was so close to IMS that a couple of the BMWs, especially, uh, the Japanese brands, not so much, but once, uh, once or twice... Um, but the BMW brands, for sure, for some reason, they didn't have a, a bunch of bikes shipped around the world. They, they were like, hey, we just showed this in EICMA. We just have the prototype. We're bringing it, you know, and uh, didn't make it. So it's, it's actually here in the States, but it's sitting at the customs waiting to get checked in. So if, if it wasn't Long Beach, it was New York that would have the mid-year because Long Beach was November then December and then New York was typically in January and most bike, uh, new year, new model years were released in June or July. Uh, August would be kind of late. And so you have them announced, Hey, this is our, you know, for instance, our 2022 models would have been announced in July or August of 2021. Uh, you know, maybe even September, uh, if they had a secret model, or if they were holding out one, they'd hold it out until November for Long Beach, and then the mid-year stuff. Since everything's announced that summer, and then you get to see it in November uh, before it hits the showroom floors and all that fun stuff. <laughs> Excuse me. The uh, no, the New York show was when all the mid-year secret stuff. Harley Davidson was famous for bringing out a few models, and then boom! In January, and the, at the New York show, they drop a mid-year model. You know, a lot of little Sportster X uh, or like, uh, you know, a a Road King special or something like that. Like, hey, we got all these things and we're dropping that uh, on the 26th. I believe that's how they did the Pan America. But this year changed things as well because um, the way that the motorcycle, the entire motorcycle industry in general, uh, because of last year, because of COVID, because of everything. Uh, just changing in the last year and a half and what's going on two years now. Uh, the way that distribution is handled, the backup of the ports, air, like there's there's a massive uh, off-shift uh, of the way that the the old program ran. And, and it all happened in one year. And so typically you would show up for media day, you'd get walked around, you'd do all the spazzy stuff, see all the new newest things, get all the press presentation. And it really was more... I want to say media day. Media day isn't anything special either. You kind of get to see the bikes before the public by a few hours, really. That's all media day was. There was no special shows. There was no special, you know, you don't get to see the cool stunt shows. That's one thing that always used to kill me is that, like you don't get anything extra or cool by being media. You just get to be there to take pictures and interview people before thousands of people come in. And so that's when you get your time to do it. Uh, and you could set up media stuff uh, between then and the, when the public came in. And then once the public came in, hey, everybody's asking everybody questions, and there's no time. You know, you just you get lost in the mix. So that's really all media day was for. And I feel this year they still ha- <laughs> they still had a little bit of a media day, but it wasn't. Um, there was no no media tour like there was in the past. If you came to the past IMS shows, you know what I'm talking about. They had like a little tour with lunch and this and that. They still kind of did that somewhat, but it was very abbreviated. And uh, the the general public was in there quite earlier than than before, a few hours. Uh, And there was nothing really to announce this year because as we've seen, as I just said, with the way that the whole motorcycle industry was affected last year by even announcing new models and being able to deliver models you know there's people waiting for stuff that's out there in the harbor uh still probably months later that hasn't got offloaded or is just now getting offloaded they have to work their way through 70 some odd boats out there uh if you listen to our um show last week we were talking about how there's like millions billions of dollars but hundreds of thousands of Like three almost a million containers, not well, at least half a million and maybe three quarters of a million containers had been sitting there. And so that's a lot of stuff to unload. Um, Everything just got so affected that even this year, it wasn't that much of like a what's new because people have been trickling that out all year. Uh, So there were a few holdouts. Kawasaki had some holdouts, but this year, Like I said, I'm going to try to make this short, right? And I just spent half an hour telling you about how this year was different from last year. But I feel like it's important because even walking around uh, the event, let's just describe the event. Before, it was indoors. It was contained inside a, a convention center. You knew pretty much who was going to be there every year. Uh... You knew there was going to be an area for the shift um, or adventure out area. You knew there was going to be X amount of vendors there. So I had no idea really what to expect this year. I guess that's where I'm kind of going with part of this and how a media day would work when you don't when you're not inside with loudspeakers and like a focused area uh, to talk about what's new. How is this media tour going to work this year? So, long story short, it was very different. Um, and like I said, there just wasn't that much to announce. People already knew what was coming out beforehand and uh, there was no real huge shockers that I could think of. The biggest shockers was uh, hearing about some sales data, more boring stuff really. What I really wanted to get to was the uh, test rides and there has historically been a lot of test rides at the uh, the L.A. or Southern California. It was, it was always in Long Beach, but the, it, it, this year it was like SoCal somewhere, right? Um, they had it at the Orange County Fairgrounds, which was really cool. It's a big space, lots of lots of uh, uh, presentation area, but also. Um, Pretty good for tra- pretty good for test rides. I mean, there's a, there's the uh, freeways are nearby. It wasn't the best, but it was it was all right. Um, and I'll tell you what I talked about uh, with a few people uh, once we got in there. But I did want to mention on this this year's show specifically, I went in with one goal. Wiggins has been yakking at me recently over the last actually couple of months, and uh, even on our ride down to San Diego that we did last month. Uh, when we stumbled across the dude on the GS and the other guy on the, uh, like, Beamer... No. Yeah, I think one guy was on a... One guy was on a uh, a GS and one guy was on a KTM, like, 1290 or something like that, Adventure. So these two guys on Adventure Bikes... Wiggins has been eyeing Africa Twins. His buddy's had an Africa Twin. He's been talking about it all summer. We were meeting up at the bicycle track, riding, you know, doing BMX stuff over the summer, and he was talking about it then. He's still talking about it, and I think he's just kind of waiting to pull the trigger because he's got, like, 29 bikes in his house right now Then uh it did Half of them don't even They're just They're Melting into the atmosphere And into the ground right now So uh, The last thing he needs Is an African twin At this second But he wants one And him and his uh, Friend Chris from uh, Indiana as well Long story short About that too Is that they were High school buddies And we We uh, all live very close to each other, so we all go riding quite a bit. Well, they wanted to do something cool and do off-road stuff. Well, you know the big argument that anybody talks about in off-road is that you can't get too small of a bike because it really sucks to do freeways, but everywhere to ride around SoCal is not here in the city, and we're not even necessarily in the city. We are like a little bit east of downtown, um, by 20 minutes or so, but even from here to get out where you want to ride, you can go up into the hills There's a lot of hills around here, but to get out into the wilderness. You still got to go like two hours from here To or you know, so some, some, something like that Two-ish an hour at least but two hours is a good good ways out there you get into like Johnson Valley or you can go north into the Hungry Valley um, and what they used to call Lucerne Valley, which I, I forget what that's now. I think that might be Johnson Valley. There's the dry lake beds. There's there's a whole bunch of stuff. There's And there's lots of rock crawling trails that him and his buddy do on Jeeps. They're like, yeah, we can moto camp here and here and here if we had off-road bikes. So this year, the old junk meister, uh, against my better judgment, went down. And my whole goal, I knew Wiggins wasn't going to be able to make it because he was getting a bunch of... Um, He's doing a collaboration with a bunch of people. I don't know if I'm allowed to say he's doing a collaboration with Rusty Butcher. And he also had a um, knife show coming up. So he had a bunch of stuff he's working on. Um, And I hope I could say that. Wig is uh, too late now. But uh, so he couldn't make it. He had a lot of of knives in the fire, literally. And so uh, he was busy all weekend. And or else I would have had him come with me, too, because there's nothing better than... uh, get a secondhand opinion from from junkie turdman who is all of uh, three I know I'm 311 I'm, I'm four five four six in my platform shoes but let's face it I'm right about four one maybe pushing it as I'm getting older I think I'm shrinking down to about 311 and I'm also about that much in weight I'm at least I'm a good 350 pounds probably I'm guessing I'm talk like to this dense little dwarf star you know um so to get advice from me, uh, I think coming second hand from wigs, he would probably ride stuff different, and I think he would find out some things that, I don't know. I think he would have, I think his, uh, his heart was set on the Africa twin. So ha- knowing that going into this, uh, review that I'm going to give you, I hope things make sense. So let's talk about, uh, the show. Like I said, it was at the orange County fairground. There was a vendor area inside. There was the uh, JP custom cycles, biker custom bike build off the JPCC, CBBBB, cbc And, uh, I, the, the worst bike in the world to me, I wish the Nokomoto guys were here. We could do worst bike in the world. Hell, I even could do a roast your bike on it. uh, Maybe I will. And in my opinion, it was terrible. It was the bike that I've seen on Instagram before, and I've seen it in person a couple times. It's a dragon bike. And uh, I forget the woman who who owns it, but um, I hate it. But I would love to have her on the show to talk about it because obviously she's put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and detail, detail, detail into this thing. And uh, there's a few people, Japanese people, taking pictures of it. I was thinking like some Godzilla sort of, you know, they're, they're taking pictures of it as like uh, out of horror, but I think they actually liked it. And so a lot of people looked at it and pointed, and maybe that's why she won. But to me, this bike deserved uh, five out of five flushes down the Toilet. And I, it's crummy to say that about this bike because I know that, uh, yeah, I know she put a lot of work into it. And obviously it took uh, being an old, you know, person that worked at a body shop and saw what it took, how many hours it took to fix stuff. I know how many hours it takes to destroy stuff. And this took a lot of hours, like the, the amount of work that was put into this thing. So that's one area. And, and adjacent to that was the Daffo Winery, which uh, here is here in Southern California. And they are a very moto centric family. They have a lot of moto stuff there. Uh, they have GP parties there. They had the Roland Sands um, o- during COVID. They ha- the lockdowns. They had a private uh, Super seventy three race there through the Grapevines, which I thought would just be that'd be pretty awesome. They host uh, moto events and they do moto wines. And so if you've ever heard of DAFO D-O-F-F-O, FFO, uh, they do charity events, all this stuff, and um, it's really great. It's a cool place. I've they've been to a few of Brady's events um, also. And they really love the motorcycle community, so it was kind of cool to see them set up there with their little tasting rooms, telling people about their wines and the motorcycle history. And they're really into vintage, uh, vintage bikes, uh, specifically like vintage race bikes. It's really cool. Uh, right behind that was Brady and his uh, classic track day setup with the uh, vintage. Oh god, I'm gonna get this wrong. The VJMC the Vintage Japanese Motorcycle Club, I think it is, and that is the nationwide Vintage Japanese Club uh, that you could be be a part of anybody can be a part of. They're always looking for specialists who can specialize in a certain model. Even like they, they'll narrow it down to a model that you know all about. You know where to get some parts for. It's rare people can contact you from Quincy, Ohio, or something. If you're up in you know Dayton, Idaho, they'll get a hold of you and hey, I know you know all about this stuff. So that was cool. All the vintage race bikes that were there. There was some beautiful, beautiful specimens. One of my favorite bikes there was a Ducati scooter, and it was just so cute and beautiful. Um, but that was really cool. Now the rest of the stuff, you know, I said, uh, that some of the things might've been affected by shipping and, and release, you know, product releasing and things like that. So I did want to mention that for, you know, 2021, a few things disappeared and came back. The Grom was one of them. Uh, and I don't think that they're needs to be said anything about the 2022 Grom. It's a total departure. Somebody at my work was asking me about it and I was like, look at just here, take a screenshot and put them side by side. Total departure from the headlight to the rear fender. They might use the same license plate bracket in the back, but even the little cowl or like the little headlight cover piece is different. And the rear fender, the rear seat, everything is different, and everything in between is different. I think it got even a different. Um, it uses a different motor. Everything's different about it. It's got some upgrades, you know, all the all the crazy stuff. And a lot of bikes did that. Much of Honda's lineup actually, a lot of it uh, took a break in 21, came back redesigned in 22, or with a special edition, or just came back. Period. A lot of the cruisers, they didn't bother making them. Why? Because they're not selling them. They get rid of all the 20s. And we're going to bring the same exact thing back in 22. So we're just going to skip 21. You know, big deal. They'll Sell sell the stuff off the, off the floor. And as we know, last year, it was a huge year for uh, motorcycle manufacturers to get their showrooms clean and clear. It started happening to dirt bikes first, quickly moved on to everything else. Even Harleys were sold out. And Harley Davidson now on their uh, corporate, you know, their their website you go there and there is a hd resale where you can sell your bike on harley davidson's website so i mean talk about the need for motorsports going up um uh, side-by-sides and all that stuff also continued to climb so it was incredible to see the the sales and just to know that motorcycles are still there uh moving along with the market so i thought that's great um one other thing too was some of the vendors that were there had limited spacing and limited product uh Arai was there we talked to the uh we're, we're gonna actually gonna talk to the person from awry because i don't want to spoil any of the secrets or tell you how the uh The cookies are made, but they even had limited. Stuff There to show And that they uh, You know Some of the stuff uh, My friend went with me And or I met him there And we were looking for um, Certain uh, What's it called Like He was looking for A particular visor And they kind of Had a shortage of them Right now Because they're waiting On international shipments As well So some of the product Their <clears throat> Product The bikes The helmets The jackets Anything like that That's coming from overseas Which is Let's face it A lot of it Even if it's coming from Italy It doesn't matter Where it's coming from If it's coming from overseas It's taking a while uh, to come come through the ports uh, and get here, and so distribution was a big problem for vendors there. It was made it very interesting. <clears throat> Excuse me. One of the other things is that we ran into Rob, who won uh, Spooky Spokes last year. Uh, the, la- the last year of Spooky Spokes, and it was kind of cool. It's really cool to see uh, listeners and and uh, you know people that you connect with on this show. I won't say fans because I mean we're basically all peers. We like motorcycles and. And uh, we just like to hang out by him So I saw him I, I was like how does How do recognize me? You know like I no, Nobody really knows what junkie looks like Right? But the fact that I've described myself And I've talked about how old I am I'm well over 100 years old the fact that you see a decrepit, basically street goblin walking around, there's no missing me, I guess, even though I've never, uh, put a picture of myself out cause I didn't want to scare little babies or make people with weak constitutions vomit, uh, directly onto their, their phones or computers. Um having never seen me, the fact that I'm so hideously ugly and I stand out, he, he retched, he dry retched a couple times looking at me. So it was an interesting exchange to have face-to-face with someone. But, um, but it was cool to see him there and to see the stuff that he was riding and uh, get to talk to him about his experience with the show. He loved it. He said uh, that one of the best things was Triumph. He was, um, and I have to agree, Triumph was pretty cool. They just let you kind of go out on your own talk about the test rides in a minute. Uh, but yeah, the vendors didn't see a lot of the vendors that we're used to, didn't see a lot of the faces uh, that we have been accustomed to seeing over the past few years, uh, but there was still a pretty healthy vendor uh, area, and definitely inside in, and in the little breezeway, there was some initial vendors that you see at the show off on the side, and then there was a huge vendor area in the middle that had, you know, like Delama Motorsports was there. Uh, shoot, I forget who else was there, but the center was like had a lot of the, uh, uh, dealership vendors there selling, you know, Alpine Stars was there and um, a few other. Uh, the Dainese store I think was there. So we have we you have like the uh, the vendors and stuff there in the center. So that was pretty cool. That was the layout this year, and that was all outdoors. The only thing indoors was really the Dafo Winery, the the JP uh, Custom Cycle uh, Biker Build Off Bonanza, and the Brady's Brady Walker's uh, classic stuff, the classic area. That was really the only thing in besides the um, the little breezeway that contained some of the vendors. And that wasn't technically indoors. That was in that was in a covered walkway, basically. Everything else was outdoors under uh, pop-ups and, and uh, canvas tents and things like that. And so that was basically the layout. At the back of the whole shenanigan-filled festival behind Harley-Davidson was the stunts. And boy, did they have some really crazy stunts. They had... A crazy motocross setup back there, where these guys are jumping and doing crazy, uh, crazy, crazy stunts. You can imagine, you know, quadruple whip flips and side double no hander gimme grabs and uh, pat the monkey on the shoulder. Uh, that's a move I just made up. If you were like, yeah, man, yeah, I just made that up. So I know, I know you don't know what you're talking about now. Um, but yeah, cross up double X Superman to no hand gimmies and all this crazy stuff over the freaking asphalt you know they're they're doing this on a they had a padded landing ramp but they're doing this over asphalt you come up short you case it or do they're decide at the last second that you're not gonna go for it and let off the throttle you're dead meat and i mean they're like five at least five or six hundred feet up in the air you're dead you can barely they're tiny specks you can barely see them anymore so you come down uh, even even good on some of those landings and you're breaking a, a shrapnel, uh, you know turning your clavicle into shrapnel. So it, that was pretty amazing to watch too. Um, and uh, for the layout of the show that was about it. Now let's talk about uh, some of our friends and folks that we normally connect with every year. So first and foremost, they still had the new to two and get you to ride event. And at that, they had the new Honda Navi that played a major part of the uh, getting people onto two wheels. Along with, they had a Strider area for the kids, which was really fun to watch. And they had some electric bicycles out there. Electric bicycles, I have to say, this year was one of uh, the major parts of the show. Right when you first walked in, and they had more of a presence than they did even a few years ago when Giant was there. That was you know the twenty nineteen twenty show. Uh, Giant was there, um, and Yamaha had their own bikes that you would ride around before you could get on the uh, zeros Uh, and who else was there I want to say that was about it Super 73 might have been there like somebody had it in the booth but they weren't there as a vendor Um, but but really this year uh, so many bikes there and it's so crazy to see how many different, uh, you know, bike shops were there with their bicycles. So you saw, it wasn't just bike manufacturers. It was bike shops that had a variety, uh, everything from those crummy fold up two wheel things to like these awesome bikes that are probably more than, you know, a Grom, uh, to be fair, three or $4,000 bicycles, uh, the Harley serial one looking sort of things or the series one. Some, I didn't see Buell's there, but I did see bikes that look like the, the Buell, fluid or no the fluid or is it the flow i forget which one's the motorcycle which one's the bike i think the fluid is the bike um and yeah they had all these beautiful beautiful electric uh, bicycles there zugo bikes i think was there super 73 of course was there a uh, lot of lot of crazy uh competition now and the competition's heating up a lot of these bikes look pretty good for the longest time i was like oh i see a lot of people copying super 73 but now everybody's getting their own uh, sort of thing going on and they're kind of niching out this market and there was a whole lot of two-wheel pedal power there which i thought was really cool and really great and it was uh, i did not take any bikes for test rides but i did inspect a few very closely um so first things first i uh went there both days first day i kind of bs with brady a little bit, find out how he's doing. It's been a little bit since I talked to him and uh, talked to Robert Pandya, who I can tell it now because it's out in the uh, the news now, but he is leaving IMS. He was uh, part of the new to two uh, for the last couple years, he got that launched, getting people to ride, you know, back into riding. And if you know Robert Pandey he's always been part of the motorcycle uh, industry. Back when I first started going to the motorcycle shows, he was the spokesman. He would lead the uh, the tours, and um, yeah, so he was he's always been a part of it since I've known uh, IMS. And uh, eventually, he went on to work with like Triumph, I think it was, and in Indian. Uh, Or maybe it was Victory in in, in Indian. Um, And he's, you know, quit for a little bit and came back with his own deal. And that was this, uh, you know, the new to the ride and all that stuff. Um, So it was really cool to see that. Jordan Diggs, who I know has been busy. uh, Talked to him a little bit last year. He was looking for a a bike to to build out for racing. He's getting rid of his uh, Daytona 675, I think he had. Um, or a speed triple, whatever he had, and he's looking for a bigger bike. I think he's going back to like a R1 or something like that. He, he was trying to move up to the, from supersport to thousand, basically. I think he was. Uh, we were talking about that Mexican road race that was happening um, last year, and then it got put on hold or axed. I don't know exactly what happened to it. And then just like December, I think it was, or like the end of November, I see. Uh, I see the. <laughs> It's there, it's back on their website It must have been, no I just talked to him in November, it must have been the uh the very beginning of November maybe It was back on all of a sudden after being axed. I didn't really hear much about it and Then all of a sudden I see this woman I speak Spanish so uh, a little bit at least Trashy Spanish So I could kind of understand what she was saying But I, she's, she's basically giving you details Telling you where to park Telling you what roads are going to be closed Telling you the best uh, places to spectate from um, And then a couple other things I didn't understand Which were like uh, uh, race specific You know I don't I don't know race lingo. Come to find out, in Spanish, and so uh, some other more racer-specific stuff and the instructional stuff. I didn't, I didn't quite understand what she was getting at, but for the most part, I could tell you that she was basically giving you out info. And I knew it was on at that point. And so I talked to Jordan, and he said that uh, yeah, he, he was looking forward to that. They said it was canceled last minute. They're like, listen. We're we're putting it on. And this is when he uh, was with the show like in Pennsylvania or wherever the heck they were uh, back east. He's like, dude, I'm working IMS. You know, like had I known the scheduling, I could have got the weekend off. But it was really uh, crazy talking to him and seeing where he's been this last this whole last year. Uh, he is still with Nuda two and still getting people into writing, which is great. He's been doing a lot of work with Rivian. He got engaged. I mean, there's so much that happened with Jordan since we last had him on the show and last got to hang out with them that it was just really nice to see him and, uh, congratulate him on all that stuff and talk about what I'd, you know, what, what I'd seen him been up to and doing. I got his opinion on the motorcycle shows. He, he, he worked every show as well as did Brady and and, uh, and Robert. Um, and some of the people that worked the show, <clears throat> not specifically the, uh, any of those people, but some of the people that I had talked to like that that worked with every show said – uh, on one hand, it's great. We, we got to these, uh, you know, none of the shows were as big hardly as NorCal, SoCal. Um, you know, it just some were tiny. Some were at little horse ranches out in the middle of nowhere. And you got all this dirt and you're thinking, oh, dirt riding. But they, I guess they never really did that. Uh, you're also in these new markets, and I think they were in the Bronx too. I talked to one of the uh, the test riders, not the test rider, the uh, ride leads, and they were talking about how horrible it was to be in new- at the New York show because they were in Brooklyn or the Bronx or something like that. And he's like, "Dude, the street, the we could basically do some squares, square riding, like the whole the whole <laughs> yeah, it was either we do a rectangle, a big rectangle, or or a square. We do right, 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 and that's it. You back, you know." where you started back in the parking lot. The only left we could make is, you know, pulling back up to line the bikes up for the next crew. So it was really interesting to get input from all these people and to hear about the fact that the the show was in new cities, which was hopefully going to bring the market to these new places, and they had to be outdoor events, which is another thing. You know, you can plop this thing in the middle of the city, in the middle of, like, Cleveland, or Columbus or something like that You can go to New York and have it in uh, New York I don't know if they have it in Manhattan you know, Before, where, wherever it was in New York Before or New Jersey But you can have it in the city because it's indoors And then test ride or not you know, A lot of times they weren't doing test rides Because it's the middle of winter When it hits the east coast But since they did it over the summer this year they had a plan for that and a plan for putting it in a place where you'd be able to test ride now where historically you didn't need to be able to. And that's another thing I wanted to mention about this year's show. The differences is, is that now it's an out IMS outdoors. It's all about the outdoors. It's all about test riding. You have to do it in the summer. You have to do it in the fair weather. Um, and you have to expect things to probably go wrong. And some of the traditional motorcycle markets that you were able to just insert yourself into and just be there in the dead of winter because you're inside that's all gone so a few people had opinions that you know what they're 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 hitting these new markets, but the turnout was a little bit lower. A, that could have been because of post-pandemic or still sort of in pandemic in certain areas. But B, they're hitting these markets where motorcycles aren't huge like they were before. And and you know the new to two, they were riding electric motorcycles. You could do that indoors. You know what I'm saying you can't fire up a gas bike and and really rip it around inside a convention center for too long before people start passing out from uh, uh you know mono po poisoning. <laughs> So, um, monochloridium, uh, carbon di Schmidium uh, poisoning. So, uh, there is always that. And, uh, you know, they, uh, so it was a mixed bag. I mean, you're hitting new markets, but again, Turnout's out not that great because you're hitting new markets you know and it's not not huge motorcycling towns and you're trying to do test rides and things like that and you're set up in a at a horse ranch or an old circus fairground or who knows where you're at so i don't know maybe they're going to modify it for next year but i was really stoked uh on the even the show here in orange county was a little different than i mean i kind of like the some of the test rides we went on, but it could have been better, I guess. And I was like, you know, I know they're not gonna have it out of Lake Paris and they would have been able, you would have actually been able to ride out and do some ADV riding. You could have some dirt courses taken side-by-sides for rides and uh, taking the bikes out for rides. Um, There was none of that at the Orange County Fair. There was no side-by-side demos, um, which I kind of figured there would be when they first announced IMS Outdoors. There was no off-road demos. And so I don't know if they were able to hit some of that in some of these other markets. However, um, if they did or they didn't, I have no idea. So um, it just seems like there was maybe opportunity to, but... Then again, setting up in these areas, not having knowledge of the area and uh, scheduling people to go on off-road stuff is probably not the best idea. Uh, You can have all your fleet bikes destroyed by the time they get to the end of the tour. So having said that, uh, mixed bag on Even some of the people that uh, are part of the show How they felt about it And how they uh, perceived The the show as going I'm still looking forward to next year It was, uh, I thought it was pretty cool And uh, as forever We always have the good weather here in November So it's, uh, it was nice to ride so let's get into the bikes. Let's get into the, uh, I'm going to talk about the bikes that I rode and then I'll break it up and tell you about my favorite bike of the entire show. Um, and what I think, uh, what I think Wiggins should pick. So let's take a quick break. We won't do a commercial break. We'll just take a quick, uh, I'll put in a little music here. I'm going to get hydrated. You get lubed up too, and then kick back and we'll try to wrap this thing up in just a few minutes. Uh, and you may might be shocked by what I what I uh, my favorite bike was. So, all right, we'll be right back with some creative writing in about now. Give me give me a minute and a half. Uh, come back here. I don't think that was quite a minute and a half, but that's all right. Okay, so let's get into the meat and potatoes of this week's show with the uh, bike reviews. And so, keeping in mind the whole point of this uh, test ride was, excuse me, gather information for Chris Wiggins. And uh, I know he's got his heart set on the Africa Twin because his whole garage is nothing but Harley's and Hondas, H and H baby. So. Uh, with that in mind, I rode uh, – I tried to focus specifically on ADB bikes, and uh, there was a couple that weren't ADB, but I'll tell you what I rode, and then I'll also tell you what I didn't ride, but um, we could, we could uh, throw it in the mix there for wigs and maybe get a uh, – maybe get your, your feedback on some of this stuff so first things first is uh the first bike i rode was the honda Africa twin of course why wouldn't i ride that first um i, I rode the adventure sports es uh dct and the adventure sports es is the top of the line top model uh, dct bike um there was only one Africa twin six speed and it was out Um, And I didn't have time The way the scheduling worked for the other rides I didn't have time to come schedule it also It would have overlapped You had to be there 15 minutes early, blah, blah, blah Um, Basically the African Twin What are my impressions of it? Um, Well, I think it sucked pretty much And I don't think it was just the DCT Uh, Let me give you a couple stats on this bad boy Or bad girl Uh, It is 553 pounds which I don't even think was the heaviest. Maybe it was. Yeah, that was. I guess it was probably the heaviest of the ones that I rode uh, that day. And is it even heavier than this one? Let me see. There's another one I think would be good for Wiggins. Let me see what they're telling me. The weight on this one is. I didn't. I didn't ride it. It's 452 wet. So yeah. So the Africa Twin is the heaviest one I rode. Actually, uh, at least the heaviest one I rode that. Uh, in this adventure sports class. So 553 pounds. um, It has, here is the one thing that it's got. It's got a, uh, I thought I had like wheel sizes and everything on here. I could. I don't. Well, the Africa twin, it's got a 6.5 gallon tank and it says one gallon in reserve. So does this thing really have seven and a half gallons of fuel? I I just don't hundred percent know. Um, His friend has an Africa twin I don't know if it's an adventure sport or if it's an adventure sport es, but these things brand new are going for eighteen grand, and that's just that's beforehand. And then count into the uh, the uh, market shortage, you know, like market up a little bit. The used one, I think that his friend has. I actually have a text from Wiggins here that gave me a price on it, and I think he was saying that his friend uh, has one used that he was looking at that was a twenty. Mm, I think i think i want to say it was like a 2010 or something like that and uh he's he was looking at it for um like 10 or something like that i have i have the old uh text right here i'll try to I'll try to read and um uh scroll at the same time uh anyways i'm not going to be able to do that very good am i i can barely speak it and only speak at the same time hang on one sec yeah, he sent me that image, that message in Instagram anyway, so I was uh, looking at my text message. Wrong spot altogether. However, he said that he has found some Africa twins used for about 10000 bucks. So uh, I'm not 100% sure what year that was. I want to say it was like a 2016, but a brand new one, base trim, is uh dollars So, you know, uh, that is the base, tr- base trim. So I don't know if that comes with, you know, his 10K these things are either holding their value a lot or, I mean, that's just what's happening right now with these uh, these bikes. So, like I said, I rode the Adventure Sports ES with the DCT. The, the biggest difference, I think, with the ES is it's got the, uh, I think the ES stands for electronic suspension. It did have a bunch of wango tango fun, cool stuff on it. I do have to say that uh, one of the best features, this is my favorite feature of the Honda Africa Twin is that it? Uh, when you change lanes, the turn signals shut off for you. What bike does that? I mean, I guess my 83 KZ 550 did that, but uh, I'm talking about like what what bikes that aren't some crazy premium. You know, touring bike does that stuff So the 2021 The one that I rode Was the Adventure Sports uh, DCT It only comes in black So I hope you like black if you want the DCT version It's 18000 uh Right off the bat without any extras um, The one I had Didn't have any extras that I could think of um, I, Well, it didn't, definitely didn't have Any cases on it or anything like that uh, what, The first thing I mean, the coolest thing on the Africa Twin Is the turn signals and that's about it that's where I draw the line that's where <laughs> that's where my uh, love for this thing stops What was right there um, I do have to say that I believe it has a uh, 21 inch front wheel and the uh, Adventure Sports ES comes with a, um, a what's it called a cross spoked I believe the, the wheels are so they're, they're not exactly cross spoked are they I think they yeah they are cross spoked um, I'm pretty sure there was a one bike I forget that had like the um, the spokes the, the, instead of they were center center laced but they still w- went out to the um, what's it called the uh, gobbity goop 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 they, they were the, where the spokes laced in it was like on the on the ridge. It was really weird. I'd never seen uh, laced wheels like that so they could be spoke spokeless. Um, so yeah, one thing was that the uh, obviously this is a single overhead cam. Uh, It's 10 to 1 compression ratio, which isn't huge. And it's the, um, I think it's a 270 degree, since parallel twin. I think it's got a 270 degree uh, firing order, which would bring you that, like, big thumper, um, you know, pretty good torque and all that fun stuff. Um, Bringing you some of the good... uh, goods when it comes to getting some power down on the dirt, which is fine. And this thing did chug along like a freight train. I do have to say that much. Um, But was I... I'm going to exit the build. I want some hard specs here. Yeah, here we go. Specifications. I want to check these tires because I'm pretty sure they're 21 inch, which means that um, you got pretty good off-road capability. Yeah. Front's 21, rears 18. That's what you need. You need a 2118 if you're going to be doing real dirt stuff. All these other ones that are riding around on 17s, those are purely road bikes. 17 is a sport tire, sport touring tire. So if you got 17 inch wheels on your GS or whatever it is, you're not doing any real off-road stuff. Uh, and, of course, there's a huge aftermarket for those, and maybe the GSAs have, like, 19, 17s. Um, 19 still isn't, you know, 21s what most dirt bikes have for a reason, to you over those logs and, and bumps and to absorb some of that stuff. Spoke tires was another thing, or spoke rims, rather, was another thing that I was a mandatory for me. Um, and the Africa Twin, yeah, it had all that stuff. What else it had, though? Uh, like I said, it was probably the heaviest one that we Uh, that I rode, the um, 62 inches, the curb weight was 501, it says, with all fluids um, ready to ride. So I don't know where I got that other uh, weight from that I have here. Where did I get this uh, 553? I I swear that's what the guy told me at the... uh, the at the booth uh maybe he was wrong it says right here 501 is the curb weight on the uh, Africa twin but i think that's also oh yeah that's just the regular one that's why the um es is definitely with the dct that bumps it up holy crap 53 pounds so yeah that is that's why it was so so heavy 553 pounds uh That includes that huge uh, six-and-a-half-gallon fuel tank. That includes all the DCT mechanisms there. That adds 50 pounds on the base model. Um, So, and maybe if Wiggs did look at these things and he did just look at the Adventure uh, Sport non-DCT model, it might be a little bit lighter. But the one I rode... I'm just telling you, that's what it was. That's what that was. The weight of that baby it was 553 pounds. Yeah, the other one's only 530. So 20 pounds for the DCT. Having two clutches in there apparently makes it heavier. I can tell you, I didn't feel it really. Um, and it's like I said, it chug like a freight train. Here's what I hated about the Africa Twin. It wasn't too tall. Nothing like that. Um, it was actually not a pretty good height. Uh, it didn't feel the DCT, you know, oh, you go to squeeze the clutch. The first thing I did was I sat on the bike and I squeezed the clutch. Well, there is no clutch. It's the parking brake. And the guy's like, now see what he did there? And I was like, "Oop!" And I pulled it and I set the little lever and set it back. Um, I made that mistake. And he's like, that's a, he's like, that's a common mistake. That's the first thing everybody does. They get on, they pull the clutch in because you, that's just kind of normally what I do to start the bike. I, I, I know that the side stands up. Um, so I pulled the clutch in, you know, and it, and uh, kick the kickstand up. I don't know why I start my bike with the clutch in, uh, even if it's in neutral, unless I'm standing on the other side of it. I I just a habit, I guess. I don't know. So I pulled the clutch in. The first thing I did, and, and I usually let the cl- have it in gear and I let the clutch out so it won't roll anywhere, right? So um, when I sat on it, that was my first instinct was to pull the clutch. Well, that's the parking brake. And that is something that I know Wiggins uses, the clutch lever to get his bike in and out of the uh, his truck. And so if you're used to that method and not using the brake method, which is the one I use, uh, and sometimes you can't get on your hands on both sides of the bike. So it is nice to have uh, brake or clutch. And if you've never rolled your bike backwards out of a a truck, especially the higher the truck, the scarier it is, or the worse feeling it is, like if you were to drop it and you're stepping down as the bike's coming down and usually you're stepping a lot further than the bike, uh, rolls, you know? So, um, it's always nice to be able to have one hand on the brake and just like feather the brakes as you're stepping down stuff, rolling it backwards. Uh, and Wiggins does it with the clutch. He'll, he'll let the clutch out and he will stop the bike from rolling. He'll, he'll squeeze it and then let it out again as he steps down to stop the bike from rolling backwards Um, because he's usually standing on the left side of the bike and it's hard to reach over it when you're climbing down a toolbox to get your stuff out of the back of a truck. Long story short, on a DCT, there is no clutch, so it's either in drive or neutral, and so if it's in neutral, there is, you need to use that brake technique to back your bike out of the truck, or else you're just going to roll backward down the hill. Same thing for parking it in in anywhere. You need to have that parking brake on, or it's going to roll forward and fall over. So keep that in mind if you're going to ride the Adventure Sports uh, DCT or any DCT. They have the base DCT. It doesn't have to be the Adventure Sports, but both of them have um, the DCT option, that's what I had One thing I did like About the DCT Is that it is Pretty freeing You know You just twist and go Like a big scooter But that's what it felt like If you've ever driven A golf cart and you know There's one pedal Uh The one pedal driving Where if you give it gas You start going forward and you just start chugging And there's one speed Then if you take your foot Off the pedal You stop That's how this felt to me And um Obviously don't blip The throttle At uh Intersections Or you'll take off Um there was a uh, neutral and or a drive and automatic manual mode. There was a neutral and drive. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff to worry about that you just kind of instinctively don't worry about when you're just driving a regular motorcycle. So that's part of why I didn't like the DCT. Plus, the guy that was the ride lead was like, "Yeah, put it in urban mode since we're going to be driving around these urban streets." It was in tour mode. There's also like an eco mode. I put it in urban mode like the guy said, and then the other guy comes up and he's like, "Oh yeah." Hey, you might want to try this out in tour mode. So he puts it in tour mode. And I was just thinking, oh my God. And I think for every drive mode, there's also like a sport rain, blah, 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 blah. So there's settings on top of these drive modes. And there's a ton of drive modes. So needless to say, you basically have two computer keyboards uh, where the front uh where the combo switches are. And since you don't switch with your foot, you can stick it in manual and you can actually shift with the trigger shift. You use your thumb to shift uh uh, down and the tr- finger trigger to shift up, something like that, if I remember correctly. That's how it worked. But, I mean, it's just, I can't even remember. That's how confusing it is. And so I hated the Africa Twin the most out of all the bikes, and I know that like everybody has a boner for this bike. I do know a few people uh, on another podcast called something like Motor Scooters and Miscreants or something like that, both of which the... Uh, uh, people on those shows that have Africa twins don't like them anymore and have gone on to other bikes, um, as well. And I have to agree like this thing sucks. I would hate to take this out on the dirt with DCT because that's something like, I don't know. I'm just so used to using clutch, uh, to modulate. What I like to do too, is when I'm coming up to a stop sign, I hate putting my feet down. You can see it in almost any video I've made of myself riding. You'll see me jiggling back and forth and, and, uh, Keeping the handlebars moving, keeping the revs up. I often feather the clutch, stomp on the back brake, and rev up. And on my V-Twin, it's great because it'll kind um, of spam it too. Thumpers and V-Twins, you got all that uh, momentum working uh, you know, kinda keeping you upright, you kinda you still have a gyroscopic movement out of the crank moving you around. You can't really do that on this. You have to stop, you have to take your you're just relying on balance at this the point. And when you go down it shifts it's like an automatic car. Silence. If you if you manually shift into sixth or something like that, I think it shifted down for you at a stop so that you weren't still in sixth. All this all this crap you had to remember. So why that's why I hate the D C T because of that. There were so many damn buttons, so many damn things to remember the stupid ride mode seemed off. The guy that behind me, he was like, Ooh, I put this baby in sport and man, it was crazy. And I'm like, dude, they, they led us around. We didn't go over 40. I don't know how you figured out this thing was crazy. Um, I just didn't like it that much. I, I hated the Africa Twin. So Wiggs, I know you love it. I know you got, uh, your sights set on one. Um, but, uh, this is... I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I hate it. And uh, it probably isn't going to be my favorite bike for you of, of this list. Wait and see. And we. I may surprise you. Uh, but the seat height was pretty comfortable, 34 inches, and there's a low position. I'm guarantee the one I was on had a low position. Um, and, yeah, so Africa Twin, not my cup of tea, but will it make the final cut? Who knows. Um, let's move on to the next bike I rode. The very next bike I rode in the ADB class was the Suzuki V-Strom 1050 XT. Uh, this comes in at about 10 pounds lighter than the Africa Twin, uh, the, the one that I tested, the Adventure Sports uh, DCT, which is 553. Looks like it's about 10 pounds heavier than the regular Africa Twin. Uh, so it splits the difference there between the DCT and the regular. It's got a 20 liter tank or a 5.4 US gallon tank. Um, the V-Strom, uh, now, Honda's got a bunch of uh, crazy stuff on their bikes. They got so much technology, right? They got all this uh, crazy... The DCT is one of the biggest things. They got probably heated grips. They got cruise control. All that fun stuff, right? Uh, or, you know, let me see. The cruise control, throttle by wire, uh... I don't know. If they if you got a yeah, 270 degree uh crank, so I guess I was right on that. I was just guessing selectable ABS where you can turn it off uh when you're going on the dirt. There's three different settings. Um you can turn the ABS off altogether so you can skid it on the dirt, or you can do on and off-road ABS, and it does have off-road ABS. Uh cornering anti-lock brakes, um, you know, lithium-ion battery, all this crazy stuff. Uh, that's awesome about Honda, and their crazy, crazy um, ride modes and stuff like that, and the wheelie control, the IMU. Well, guess what? <clears throat> and they have Apple CarPlay. Don't forget that. Almost all the uh, the uh, stuff has Apple CarPlay, TFT screens, yeah, all that great stuff. So guess what? Suzuki has just about all that stuff too, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Go figure. The, so, what Suzuki was different on is definitely the, uh, the ride height or the ride height. No, the, um, the weight was a little bit different. The Suzuki wheels now they don't have 21 inch wheels, which is kind of a bummer. I believe the Suzuki has uh, 19 front and 17 inch rear. They were on street tires, you know, they weren't on knobbies or anything like that. And I leaned the Suzuki over pretty damn far, and I was comfortable on it right away. It had the the one I was on was the uh, the XT was the um, I think they just have a regular uh, V Strom 1050, and I happened to be on the yellow and blue one, which is the uh, the XT, and I think that it also came in red and white, something like that. Um, the, so this particular one that I rode had. Uh, Adjustable windscreen, you had to get off the bike and adjust it from the front, but it was very simple, so I like that. It wasn't any crazy knobs or electric system that if you ride through water, you have to worry about it. Uh, I know these things are you know ADB bikes and they've took that into account, but if you have a simple manual adjustment, there's hardly any way you can go wrong unless you fall over or break it, and then. Um, you know, sand, dust, vibrations, dry rot on the uh, connectors for electric windscreens. None of that stuff's going to happen to you on a simple mechanical uh, windscreen. So it did have that. It has just about everything that the uh, Africa Twin has. And what are my dimensions on this, baby? So like I said, it's got uh, a gallon less, um, but I don't know if it has a reserve or not. And the tires were a little small. That was the only thing that I didn't like about this. But I guarantee... Wiggins and his buddies aren't going to be doing," he said. "I've seen the Africa Twin do some rad stuff, and I also have seen the Tenere do stuff. And I think he—I don't know if he meant the Super Ten, but he did mention the Super Ten. Those are not off-road bikes. A Super Ten parked next to me in uh, the parking lot. And that thing looked like a, a Cadillac car. Like it was huge compared to my bike. It had these side cases on it that I think weren't really made for motorcycles. I think they were made for moving companies. It like you pack a piano in there, uh, and anyway, the super 10 was huge, humongous, huge, and, uh, definitely not made for off-road stuff like this, like the 10 a 700 is. So I know basically, uh, that bike would not be very much fun off-road, especially to drop where I felt like, even though this thing is, uh, about 500 pounds and I think my bike is 541 pounds and I wouldn't want to drop it. And it's a quote scrambler. I definitely wouldn't want to drop this V-Strom either, but I feel like the, the, how tall it is for some reason, I feel like, you could get better leverage or better purchase on it. You wouldn't have to squat over so far to pick it up using the old butt method. Um, I did like that I, Suzuki surprisingly will surprise you. They have the SIRS which is that Suzuki Intelligent Ride System. I think that's what that stands for. And it's something that they have integrated into a lot of their bikes to make it easier to take off and stop at low speeds. And so it's like redirected torque. Um, there's an the IMU that You know, 6-axis IMU, which every single motorcycle has now. A lot of CAN wiring systems, so it, like, provides simple controller to component um, wiring system instead of having it flow through the whole um, wiring harness if you damage it or fall over. They've got cruise control. they got motion track analog. And combined brakes, you know, they've got... I, they, they might have Apple CarPlay, too, for all I know, but they have a bunch of drive mode selections. Um, a, B, and C, where the that was the difference is that... Uh, and there's modes. There's drive traction control modes and drive modes, so not to be confused. The drive modes was like A, B, and C, which A was super sharp, like sporty, B was middle, and C was like eco mode, sort of. Um, and the drive modes... Um I think might... My- affect the traction control system um, but the traction control is one, two, three, and off and the ride modes is A, B and C so I'm not 100% sure but I do know that if you turn traction control off yeah you could pop wheelies on this thing and, and on 1 it's got low 2 is moderate, 3 it won't let you do anything um, so yeah there's different controls on there. What the Suzuki also has is hill hold control and I don't know if the app between 100% does I forget I didn't write that down But not only does it have hill hold control where when you're going up a hill, if you let off the brake, it keeps it held for a couple seconds, like up to 30 seconds, I think, until it senses you giving it throttle and then it'll slowly release the rear brake. So you can have both feet down if you're on a hill, maybe you're on an off-camber hill or you're on a hill where the brake pedal is the downhill or uphill side and you need to put your foot down you can't put your foot down on the other side. Um, so you'd be rolling backwards. Hey, uh, that is, they got you, they got you under control in there. You, you apply the brake, you let off the brake and it holds the rear brake until it senses that you're given enough throttle and then it will let off. So it's really cool. They also have slope dependent control for descending clopes, slopes and slopes. Um, and this is all measured through, uh, you know, the, the, ECM or ECU uh, load-dependent control where, like, if you get more people on it or luggage and whatnot, um, it'll definitely adjust some of the features. So Suzuki gets this bad rap for bold new graphics, but I found that that bike was pretty, uh, pretty good, and the seat height was perfect as well. That one I felt the most comfortable riding. The, the Africa Twin, I felt like I was at the mercy of the Africa Twin. You twist the clutch or you twist the, the throttle. There's no clutch, so how fast can you go through a corner, or can you squeeze the clutch and like uh, use your clutch to modulate your speed and and get your engine revs up to keep your I don't know do things like stopping at a stop sign or even climbing a hill with slipping the clutch. You can't. So I just really felt like the V-Strom I had so much fun on. I leaned that thing over pretty far, pretty confidently on those tires. And the ABS and everything felt great. Uh, I liked that a lot. Uh, The next bike I rode was the Triumph Tiger 900. And I'm going to say Rally Edition because I'm looking at Triumph website right now. And the one, it had to have spoke wheels. I think the Rally... The Triumph Tiger 900 does not have spoke wheels. It's the Rally that has spoke wheels. So it must have been the 900 Rally. These things are 15 4 so a little bit expensive, um, a little on the expensive side where the uh, Suzuki... Um, brand brand new for 2021 actually or 20 do they have a 21 on here i don't see a 2021 on their website actually but it's 14.7. um that's not too shabby when you consider that the africa twin the one that i rode is like starts at 18 and 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 obviously there's like some uh markup on that as well Uh, it's it's not going to be that much when you when you leave the 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 showroom um that's before uh you know all of the what's it called all of the uh Fees and, and destination charges and all that fun jazz. So you're at least going to be spending. What is the base model? The base model starts at seventeen nine for the uh, African Adventure Sports DCT. Um, yes, the the base price, I should say. The base price starts at eighteen grand for that. So you're not walking out of there. You could probably. Uh, Walk out of there for 18 grand With the brand new uh, V-Strom And the Triumph Tiger starts at 15.4 So I'm not 100% sure But this thing also uh, The weight on this They give it to you dry 4.27 dry um, It's got a 20 liter fuel tank Again so 5.2 They say 5.3 gallons, although the uh, Suzuki V-Strom's 20-liter tank says 5.4 gallons. So uh, I don't know who to trust. But I know that one gallon of gas weighs about six pounds. So if this has a uh, uh, 5.3-gallon tank, let's do that. I think I calculated this out to be around 33 pounds uh, already. But let's just do the math on the air here. So 5.3. Uh, times 6 equals 31.8 so I must have done it um, on the 5.4 or something like that I have 33 pounds of fuel written down here but I don't know if there's I can't remember if there's a reserve so roughly the Triumph Tiger starts at 427 until you fill it up with some gas let's just say uh, 10W40 1 quart I weighed it is um it was 1.15 pounds per quart of 10W40, and it was Yamalube. so I don't know if, if every quart of oil is going to weigh the same amount, uh, but I'm pretty sure. But I'm going to guess that this thing is uh, 427 plus 32. We're going to round up to 32 pounds of fuel uh, plus 32 uh, plus... Um, 1.5, and how many? I forget how many uh, quarts this thing takes, but I thought it was like a little bit. I don't know if I looked up those specs. Uh, let me see dimensions and weights. How much fuel does it gets? <laughs> Debbie dabba doo boo, dabba dabba doo boo. Ah, shoot! It's not gonna tell us how much oil it takes because uh, that'd be too easy. But let's just say for uh, Let me see how much does my. Yeah, I think my other one takes about. We'll just do four quarts. So it still comes in at around 465. So that's a pretty good, uh, that's a bit less than the Africa Twin and the Suzuki b at 465. You know, then add coolant and add some other stuff. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's not, um, maybe once you add everything, it's a little closer to 500. But uh, I would say sub 500 still. So that's pretty good. Um, the Triumph Tiger does come with... Uh, a liquid-cooled, uh, dual overhead cam. It's a three-cylinder, so you do get that like triple power on this thing. The seat height looks was um, it looks a lot better on the 900, but I think it felt about the same. Uh, again, this thing was on like I think the tires are 1917. Oh no, these are 2117. Why did I think they were 1917 so they're 2117 I think maybe the rally had 19 inch tires so yeah this one has 21s up front but um, the regular 900 might come on 1917s uh, and I know for sure that they're cast too the rally editions have spoke wheels but I think that the uh, the other ones might have been the um, might have been the, the 19 or 17 and they they definitely, were cast wheels. Now they also have a they also have a Tiger 850 and a Tiger 1200. I don't know if any of them were there or just being ridden or what, but um, I did not ride those. So uh, I only rode the Rally, and so I can only tell you about the Rally. It felt pretty much to me the same as the uh, the Triumph. Like I said, like the uh, Suzuki Beastrom, we didn't get to go-off-road. It had street tires on it. Both of them had street tires on it. The Africa Twin pretty much had street tires on it as well. Uh, If you go to Honda's website and look at the tires that they put on the Africa Twin, I would say that they are probably more um, off-road looking than both of the other bikes had. But uh, at the same time, they're not really, you know they're barely more (laughs) off-roady. So, um, but yeah, the triumph and the uh, Suzuki both definitely had street tires on there. Both felt really good. Um, I didn't, for some reason I felt like the, the triumph was more, well, it was a triple. Um, and maybe I, maybe it felt heavier or something like that, or they're just something different to the revs. So uh, I forgot to mention this on the, uh, on the V-Strom, I came to a complete stop. We were going, uh, it was a slight uphill. And I did this two times. There was only a couple times where I had to put my feet down. And like I was saying on the African train, I couldn't rev the motor to keep the RPMs up, to keep the centrifugal forces of the crank going to balance myself. But that's how I do it. Other people might have different techniques, but you can kind of hold it with the rear brake and give it gas, or even the front brake, I guess a little, and give it gas, and you'll be able to balance yourself with the centrifugal force of the motor, keeping itself um, uh, kind of upright. You'll be able to uh, use that to your advantage to balance the rest of the way with your body position and your uh, the the front wheel. You know, um, just kind of counterbalancing yourself. Very, very, very easy to do. Not at all able to do it on the Africa Twin. Didn't even try uh, because I can't rev. And so you're literally just standing there in neutral uh, with your foot on the brake, trying not to crash. Um, the tri- the uh, Suzuki, I was able to do it for like a whole light. We sat there. It was a brief light. It wasn't, it wasn't that long. But I sat there for a good 20 seconds. No kidding. Count out 20 seconds. It's pretty long in your head and finally i almost started to lose it toward the end i was able to tip it and roll forward just a couple inches toward the guy next to me he was probably like what the hell is this guy doing and then bring it back and then the light turned green and we went but that bike was so stable that i literally only put my feet down at these long stoplights that were like a couple minutes long um and, or if I messed up and like, I couldn't, uh, uh, you know, kind of stopped unexpectedly, but, um, but yeah, I didn't feel like I could do that on the tiger that much. I mean, obviously you can stop at stop signs and not put your feet down on almost any bike. This thing was pretty balanced, but for some reason, just the, the V-Strom felt a little more balanced to me. Triumph was pretty cool. They didn't, do what everybody else did like these lead lead rides they kind of told you hey there's arrows pointing around or follow another group and there were lead rides that you could go on or if you just came up and there was like one or two people they're like hey take it and go don't get lost you know here's a route follow the arrows follow a Harley guy coming back whatever you want to do so it was kind of cool they were really relaxed on rides you didn't have to sit, for, sit there for a scheduled ride time you could schedule one time and then you had to come back and stand in the line. But as soon as there was no line, they would just let you go. Or, or if there was nobody there, there was a test ride out and there was a couple bikes left. They would just let you go. So uh, I only did that really um, for the Tiger. I did not come back and ride anything else. But I don't know if Wiggins would like the, uh, the, uh, the Tiger per se. The windscreen, I didn't feel like I liked as much. and I don't remember it being adjustable. Uh, Maybe it was from the inside. I didn't really mess with it. Um, I did like the feel of the clutch, and I liked the way it shifted. Um, Obviously, the Honda didn't shift. I hated the way the Honda felt. It felt like driving a golf cart, where every time you took off, it was like, and then it'd go. And I don't know if that's because the jerkwad that was like, try it in this mode. He messed up my modes or something that I had already set the first time. The, uh the v-strom just felt super natural and the tiger did feel a little sporty and like i said i don't know if it's that 900 you know you feel the revs different they hit different than uh, than a parallel twin um so that felt a lot different th- than both bikes but i would say that this is another like adventure tour not necessarily off-road tour although i do see that it has um just like the uh, gs it comes with uh, you know taller tires but, um, 21 inch, I'm really surprised to find that I'm looking at the 900 GT right now. Cause I don't think that one came with, uh, 21 inch wheels just for, just out of curiosity just trying to see the, uh, stuff here. Definitely they're cast wheels. So you don't want to take that off road for sure. But yeah, so the GT range period the the tiger 900 range has a lot of cool stuff on it. They they'll tell you it's a uh, more power and torque and blah, 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 blah. Sometimes that doesn't really feel good off road. They've got ABS and traction control. Uh, all of these bikes had adjustable suspensions and the ES, the Honda had um, electronic adjustable suspension that is you know that was the one thing that es was like the titties you know that was the whole big thing on that was like yeah this is a legit crazy bike but also you have all those buttons to program that crap in um the one thing i will say is that the honda and the triumph had the tft displays where the um suzuki did have a lcd display i think it was or definitely wasn't tft i'm not 100 sure what it was but it was i think it was just a lcd so that's the one thing that did suck on that uh other than that it was a pretty simple bike and it had a lot of kick and it's a 1037 even though they call it a 1050 turns out the old 1000s were also 1037s so here's the deal with the v-strom there is a lot of aftermarket stuff out there uh where the triumphs i feel like you know being a triumph the it's sort of like a beamer where the the uh just the repairs on it are going to be a little crazy if something goes wrong or it's got a recall you're going to hear about it like you know ktm or something like that or bmw just like really you know and so i feel like for some reason i feel like the japanese bikes there's just so many of them out there that there's like the doohickey for kawasaki and there's the you know this and that for for the um uh the XL 650 um, you know the 650 Honda one kind of think what it, the XL 650 L CR6 XR 650l damn I can't think of what it's called now um, stuff like that. Um, another bike that uh, I did not ride, you know, we were not even going to talk about the Pan Am, that's too new, that's too expensive. Same thing with the BMW GS, and actually, when I was looking at the GS, those the wheels on that are only like 1917s, also, or 17 something like that. They're they they do not even make there's obviously off-road wheels that you can buy and aftermarket wheels that you can buy that make that thing capable. I've seen people taking them on these crazy journeys across country. So there's obviously the cross-spoke stuff there it makes a big difference. Um, but... Honestly, those wheels don't even come in twenty-one inch. Uh, so, there, are they really off-road? I can't tell you. Uh, so, we're not going to talk about those bikes. They're just—they're they're, those are too expensive and out the window. And wigs probably wouldn't even want to use one if you could find one. Other bikes that fit this formula but don't work, especially—I don't think for wigs—the Versus One Thousand. And, to be honest, the Versus 650. Now, that is uh, Kawasaki's ADV bikes. And if you look at those, they really are sport tours. They're not... The Versus might as well be the, uh, quote, ADV version of the Concourse, right? So uh, the, the wheels and tires are much too small. It's 567 pounds. Uh, and the, it says on their website, saddlebags, handguards, hardware, adds 20 pounds. So I don't know if that's included in that weight. Uh, but it's got a 33-inch seat height, which is nicer for touring. And this is like a touring bike. I feel like it's almost like the Ninja 1000 um, uh, SX SE+. Plus. I feel like this is sort of like Suzuki's new uh, gsx S one thousand plus LT plus whatever they're calling that thing. All these, oh no, that's this, this is versus versus is the one thousand SE LT plus. So the um, the Suzuki must just be the GSX S one thousand plus. Um, there, I feel like all these plus, especially coming from Kawasaki as well. The Ninja going to a plus, and I think the freaking H two, if I'm not mistaken, went to a like a SE or a plus one of those they really are just sport touring bikes and so the versus although it looks a lot like uh, a a chonky africa twin it's got all the crazy stuff that the africa twin has i just don't feel like it's a good off-road bike and i really wouldn't take it off-road where wiggins is like yeah i've seen people do some pretty cool legit stuff on the africa twin fair i'll give them that uh, I'm probably not on a DCT version, I'm guessing. Um, do I know people do stuff on the V-Strom, even though the tires are a little shorter? Yeah, I, I do. They're a little bit on the small side. Do people do stuff on Tigers? I guarantee I used to see a lot of Tigers, 800s specifically, but I know a lot of people that do stuff on Tigers, and it's mostly fire roads and stuff like that. Would that triple make it more of a street touring bike than a dirt bike? Cause I don't know how triples perform. I know the reliable thump, thump, thump feeling of a 270 where it's almost like a, almost like a thumper. You know what I'm saying? It's pretty close. It's that big bang where the triple, I'm not hundred percent sure how that would hit off-road. Uh, as far as traction and torque. Um, I don't feel like the Triumph had the same sort of... Uh, definitely didn't have the same layout as the... Uh, it was more like the Suzuki than the Africa Twin, for sure. Um, but I don't feel like it had the same sort of, like, ride modes and stuff like that. I, I feel like it was It was kind of just like, hey, go do your thing. It wasn't like a real big explanation. Like all the other ones, they walked you through it like they were, you know, teaching you how to fly a space shuttle. Um, so I do have to say that one you know hit or miss on, on that one for me i didn't particularly like the uh the uh, the triumph although i did like the, i love triple sound so i love the sound of the engine i loved i did like the how it felt to ride i mean i'm not saying that ride sucked uh, i'm just saying that for me i probably wouldn't pick that uh bike um having the gs and the uh The um, Pan Am out for wigs For sure, that leaves us with the ones The other one that I didn't ride That I got to sit on at least That I think he might like And that's the Tenere 700 Um, That bike felt pretty good I've seen Paul I've mentioned him A thousand times before um, Doing some crazy stuff Brand new, these things are only Ten grand So your used Africa Twin is a few years old who knows what's been done to it i mean honda's are pretty reliable but if your used one's going for 10 grand i'm looking right now on yamaha's website at the 2022 tenere 700 and the uh the base price here is 10 $2 for the blue or black one so you get them in blue and black it's only a 700 and i know wigs would probably worry about that for uh freeway riding but Honestly, if you're really getting an adventure bike to tour on, you might as well get a Versus You know, you might as well get something like that. Go go ahead and get, um, you know, get the uh, the Africa Twin, and and don't worry about, you know, you get the DCT version if you just want to cruise, um, and, or if you don't want to cha- turn turn off the uh, the signals when you change lanes. That was the best feature of the Africa Twin. Um, so the uh, the Tenere 700 has a seat height of, actually it's got a fuel capacity of 4.2 gallons which doesn't sound all that much really. Looking at this thing it looks like it should be a desert Racer And Paul took it on Romaniacs, so I know it's got some fuel capacity, but it's skinny, and that's the thing. You could do twisties and single track on this thing because the tank doesn't stick out wider than the handlebars. 4.2 gallons, though, that ain't that much, but uh, I know how Wiggs is, and I don't think he likes to burn that much miles before restriction his butthole at the gas station, so that'd probably be fine. It's 452 pounds, pretty light. That's lighter than the... uh, 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 Triumph, which was the lightest of the the bikes that I actually rode. Um, And it's got a few advanced features. Uh, Obviously, they've got a whole lot of uh, their cross-plane concept stuff into this. Um, The uh, compact stack transmission, refined fuel injection, blah, blah. I'm just reading the crap off the internet now, off their website. But it does have some pretty cool cool stuff. If you watch uh, capable people on the Tenere, they're jumping and leaping this thing like a 250 or 450 even though it's a 700, which tells me it's got the capability for true off-road performance. I would never jump any of the bikes that I rode like I've seen people jump the uh, Tenere 700. And last but not least, the bike I didn't ride um, was a CRF 450RL that was there and kitted out and looked pretty awesome. And for wigs, I think that that would be... um, A pretty cool bike, actually. If you trade, you could ride it, and yeah, you're not going to be riding up to Monterey on it and then, you know, going from there. But uh, it would be pretty cool to ride one of those. And I think it's perfect weight, perfect weight capability, perfect size. They're pretty big. For a 450, they're pretty tall. And you're looking at like DR650 height on these things. But being a Honda, having that RL, you know, Honda just. Uh, kind of merged the uh, performance of the L with the R, that's the RL, and there was a lot of stuff at the uh, whatever dealership had it there I think it was Delamo Motorsports, it was kitted out in like, you know, I don't know if it was Moscow Moto or who whose stuff was on it, maybe some you know, Trail Tech and Tusk and Mo- I don't know, there's a ton of stuff on this thing, it looked pretty badass to be, to be quite fair and for me, 450 450- you know, I've ridden 250s all over forever with no problem. Uh, 450 would probably be just fine for me. So, Wiggins, you might give an old dirty 450 or 650 a chance if you really want to get down in the dirt. All right. So, with that, I knew we were going to be able to make this like a 20-minute show. God dang it. Uh, so, let's round out the bikes. The only other two bikes that I rode were electric. And uh, so, let's try and wrap that up in 10 minutes here, make this a true... Two-hour show. So the first bike I rode was the LiveWire. Things I don't like about the LiveWire, well, there's a lot. Uh one interesting thing I thought about the LiveWire was the branding on the LiveWire. Totally, totally 180 from when Harley Davidson owned it and it was the Harley Davidson Livewire. Harley Davidson still owns it, but they are definitely trying to branch off into their own company. The bike is significantly Uh, I think it's like $10,000 cheaper than when it was a Harley. Something like that. Maybe it's it's only five, but still, it's a lot cheaper. It's a lot cheaper than when it was a Harley. Um, So maybe the name does uh, make a big difference. Um, It's everything you would expect in an electric bike. It does have a sound to it. I mean, all electric bikes have sounds to it. The one thing I do like about the Livewire is that it's not a forward control. That's like the worst thing you could possibly do to... A sporty looking motorcycle like this Have a forward control I do feel like this thing was a massive turd though What is this thing weigh by the way The live wire it was uh, 562 pounds 86 horsepower Claimed 100 on the uh, website But somebody dino one And it only made 86 84 84- Four foot-pounds of torque so nothing to screech at actually 84 foot-pounds of torque though that's like some of their uh, soft tails and stuff have that much and 86 horsepower that's pretty much right in line with most harley davidsons most Harleys don't make over you know 80 horse you know 90 horse Except for the new Revolution, you know, Pan Am and and Sportster S motors. Those are the only ones making like above 100 horsepower right out of the box. So this thing kind of fits in with the Harley Davidson feel. Uh, 86 foot uh, or 84 foot pounds of torque. Let's just say it does have 100 horsepower. Uh, The torque rating doesn't change. Torque rating is uh, 84 foot pounds. So that's what you get. Feels like a Harley doesn't obviously sound like a harley and it was pretty dry um, nothing magnificent about it it does have a hell of a lot of charging capabilities uh it fits all sorts of crazy chargers and i think there's like three onboard chargers i only know that from work um, the way you charge this thing is weird uh, they didn't show us at the show but i've seen it at work you flip up the seat uh, to access a bunch of stuff under there, and then there's like that little charge fuel tank at the top. So it was really weird, uh, you know, where, how you how you can flip up the seat on this thing. It's like the uh, most motorcycle seats don't flip up nowadays. Another thing I know from work and not necessarily from the, the test ride is that uh, this thing is very mo- like you're riding the battery. Everything that they have made and manufactured bolts to the battery somehow, so the battery is what you're riding. And everything is just held onto the battery via some other mechanical means. And uh, there's not really a frame per se. This frame is in like a few different pieces. The footrests and everything are in a few different pieces. The, the idler pulley, all this crazy stuff on this thing is really unique in the fact that it pretty much bolts to the battery and the motor. And there is like a weird motor. There's like a uh, bevel gear in the back, which most of them don't have. Um, Harley-Davidson has it. The one thing that is different from any bike that I've ridden is that you get a little you get a little bump in the nugget. And What I mean by that is the seat vibrates to let you know it's on. Um, yeah, again, you can't blip the throttle at a stoplight or you will take off and drive headlong into traffic. Um, most people know that. But just to warn you, these, the haptics on this thing, which is brand new, I've never seen any motorcycles with that before, is interesting. You know, they call it the... I want to say they call it the pulse or the heartbeat or something like that and it, it is it's just a little uh a boo-boo like uh like your cell phone vibrating but instead of being in your pocket it's up your butthole and uh just let you know the bike is on it does it every five or six seconds i don't know something like that it didn't really count it was just uh surprising and it's not something that like overwhelm like oh my god what was that you know you're getting a shocker at a stoplight it's nothing like that it's, it's pretty subtle But for the most part, the Harley is just another electric bike, uh, pretty much. And it's not, I'm sorry, not the Harley, the Livewire, former Harley Livewire, now just its own company. Um, There's a lot of connection uh, with this thing, and it can recharge to 100% in 60 minutes using DC fast charging, which I was talking about. And I know there are several different uh, hookups in this thing. Um, It does have an IMU, so it does have... Uh, traction control and all that fun stuff That any any motorcycle would have uh, It claims 146 miles Of city range um, So you can get outside The urban uh, Existence or urbane uh, Dystopian urban Setting And um, I think, well, on the phone, you can stream everything, but that's like a lot of bikes now have phone connectivity, but you know, it gives you directions. It gives you like bike alerts. It tells you, uh, I think, what, what your battery life is at or what your range is, something like that. Um, and yeah, I, I really, I mean, it's cool. It is a cool bike. I wouldn't say, you know, by any means that it sucks or anything like that, but it's one of the ones I like the least uh because I feel like when Harley was marketing it they were trying to make it the most and they're trying to make it something it really wasn't and it doesn't look that great it looks a little bit like a street to me like a street 750 um but uh I don't know it, it is unique. It is it is a beautiful bike. I shouldn't say that it that it totally sucks. But some of the lines on this thing, if you look at the gas tank and some of the seat work, look at a street, you'll see what I'm talking about. It looks like that, or maybe the Bronx, uh, which wasn't a bad looking bike either. So it just it doesn't look bad. It just looks different than I'm used to. Um, so maybe that's me. Um, yeah. So that's that's about it on the uh, the live wire, and the fact that it's like after after uh, rebates and everything i think it's under 20 grand where it used to be like 30 grand and the last bike i rode was the zero now i'll tell you what their website says and i'll tell you what, what i uh, found um, the website says the top speed for the zero srs is the one i rode so the srf is the the naked bike the srs is fared. i rode the srs and i rode it with a girl named danielle And I said, hey, where are you from? You're not from down here, are you? She said, no, I live in Santa Cruz. And I said, hey, do you know Liza Miller? And she's looked at me. She's like, I do know Liza Miller. So apparently I asked Liza, she doesn't know Danielle, but Danielle was very fun to ride with and and knows the uh, uh, San Francisco queen of motorcycling. Um, Danielle riding with the Zero was pretty fun. Danielle uh, did not do the typical ride like everybody else did where follow the speed limits and follow me blah 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 sort of thing um danielle in fact took us on the freeway also which not many of them did and took us by some pretty awesome epic scenery which only i can remember kawasaki uh no not kawasaki suzuki doing that uh took us by the little bay or whatever was over there honda was pretty dry uh and triumph you do whatever you want um, so anyways, riding with Danielle uh, I was right next to her So I was, it was fun being behind the lead rider uh, Top speed on this thing is acclaimed 124 miles an hour I cannot, I can neither confirm nor deny that um, But I can tell you, tell you that it is pretty fun The peak, the torque peak Is 140 foot-pounds Now, I would have to talk to Trent Or uh, Hunter uh, Leonard About what peak peak is, and I think Tramp tried to explain it to me when we had our uh, um, conversation where he he was kind of talking about the technical bits of how motors work and things like that. So you're not getting all your peak horsepower and all your peak torque and all that things like right off the bat, right? I think it has to build up to it, or like there's a certain uh, ratio of battery life to Throttles twisting to you know input, whatever it is, I'm not 100% sure, but it says peak torque of 140 foot pounds, which really slaps Harley Davidson's 84 feet pounds or not Harley, I gotta keep, quit saying that the live wires 84 foot pounds in the face. Um, and it, uh, on my notes here, I have that this is uh live wire was 562 in the weight department or I think in, uh, British stones, that's like 4,000 stones. Uh, the zero SRS, oh no, it's backwards. So it, that would be like 12 stones. Um, and the zero SRS is 518 pounds. So 11 stone. Um, actually I think it's 111 stone and 120 stone. Well, we'll, we'll go with that. Um, I only have 110 horsepower on here. Uh, that's the, <clears throat> that's actually the horsepower rating that I got, uh, off an of independent test online. They don't give you horsepower rating on here, but they do tell you the uh, top speed. They also tell you that it's got a 227 mile range, which also slaps Harley's 146 or whatever I said in the face as well. Um Well that's city range um, So they say 227 But there's a catch to that that's With the power tank It has 156 mile city range um, They're partnering with Bosch uh, And they do have sta- Stability control They have a bunch of stuff And now here's what I have to say about the Zero uh, About a third of the way into the ride Danielle pulls us all over And says you guys have been in eco mode You've been doing this and that Go ahead and s- turn it Into whatever mode you want Right now And she pulled us over Nobody else did this Let us play with the modes We had to do that Before we left On the other ones They said play with them While you're riding But she pulled us over And explained to us A few things The engine braking On the SRS Was incredible It was almost as much As like the uh, The Triumph And the uh, Suzuki um, v Strom was. I mean, it was it was incredible. I don't remember the engine braking on the Zero being like that. I mean, there was a little bit, or maybe it was regenerative braking or whatever it was. But this le- legitimately had engine braking. And the Zero, you could customize every setting on there, and it was so crazy. So I had it in eco. I had it in sport mode, but sport eco mode. And she's like, "Yeah, you have it in you have it on sport setting, but you're still in eco mode." She's like, "Put it in sport mode on sport." And she said, "I got." tell you what that does is that, uh, you're getting some regenerative braking back through the engine braking feature. When you're in the eco mode, you turn it to sport mode. You're not going to get any of that. And so when I was riding around and I let off the throttle, uh, rolled off, it felt like natural. It felt like a, um, I mean, there's no clutch, so it kind of felt like riding the Africa twin, but It slowed down like a normal motorcycle would, like if you were downshifting and stuff like that. uh, It felt more natural rolling through curves and feeling that uh, roll on and off, where I feel like the live wire was like my previous um, electric motorcycle experiences, where when you roll off, there's no engine braking, so you're just, you're coasting fast. It's all brakes. You, I could imagine that if you race these things, you... just you're on or off you know what i'm saying and the brakes are probably the same you probably get really good at feathering the brakes uh really gently because there's zero engine braking going in well this thing had a ton of engine braking she said you could dial that setting any way you wanted to but when you put it in sport and sport she's like when you put it in sport mode and sport uh setting you have no more traction control there's no more wheelie control even though these things are a little bit heavy at 518 pounds uh, and the way the weight is laid out over the bike she said they're a little hard to wheelie but i'm sure you could uh, put enough effort into it you could do it but she said there's no tr- you know the traction control the abs everything is is either gone or down to the minimal limits also the engine braking is gone and now you're just in f- hauling ass mode you know you're flying And she took us out, took us around town. This thing felt beautiful. The bike is very balanced. Just like if you've ridden a heavy sport bike before, you know that uh, any motorcycle upright feels great. It's when you start to lean it over that things get iffy. And this thing felt just as uh, uh, planted as as anything. Um, And when we got on the freeway, She disappeared. We get up, we're getting on, and she's looking, you know, we're rolling on, we're getting on the freeway. She goes down the the on-ramp, and she just disappears. And I thought, oh, my God, this is it. This is our free green flag. And she said, she said, we're going to get on the freeway. Feel free to open it up. And I'm like, ah, you know, we can't pass her obviously. Well, when we get on the freeway, she just turns into a speck and I'm like, holy crap. So I get on it and this thing does the warp speed thing where I felt my throat try to shoot out my, my butt. Like this thing was fast and I, and I felt like it had 140 foot pounds of torque or whatever it's claiming, you know, that it has uh, 140 peak foot pounds and i was in sport sport so there's no more traction control nothing holding me back at this point it just launched and i felt like i was gonna barf luckily i hadn't eaten a whole bunch that day so i didn't because i would have been a crappy you know have your helmet fill up with vomit but that is how fast this thing took off and you know on the other but on the other rides you're following a ride around you can kind of gas it and do you know they were on no no jinks, right so you couldn't really Feel any of the top speeds on the other ones I could feel how crappy the acceleration was On the Africa Twin And how good it was on the Triumph and Suzuki But None of them took us on the freeway that I can remember she takes us on the freeway And oh my god This thing almost made me sick It was so fast And then coming off the freeway I was like Oh yeah I'm in sport sport There's no engine braking So now you're flying down the off ramp You know A mile or two later She took us out On this pretty good stretch And she's like Just get off on the next exit And then she disappeared That's why she told us that Is because She was prepping us For her to be gone And, and she really ripped She wasn't holding back On this whole ride So I like that I My favorite ride of the day Was zero She didn't will waddle us through 25-mile-an-hour speed limit streets and stuff. She took us on the some of the faster boulevards, took us on the freeway, and just t- disappeared. I get on the throttle, and I, like I said, I feel like I'm going to vomit, and everyone in my rearview mirror disappears. And it's at that point that I realize I don't hear any engine sound. The only sound is me inside my head going, holy crap, look up. Don't look in your rearview mirror. Look up because... You don't know where you're going. You don't know what's out here on the. <laughs> you're going at the speed now where you're gonna to need to pay attention to stuff, it's ten to fifteen seconds ahead, because you're gonna be there pretty soon. You know, like that. That's the speeds that you're going at now. So this has a claimed top speed of um 124, and I can't tell you how fast I went because it got to a point where I felt uncomfortable looking anywhere except for dead ahead at where we were heading because the the off ramp. Or the on-ramp to the off-ramp came up pretty quick Let me just tell you that much And uh, slowly but surely Everybody else started to reappear in my Mirrors And that's just because once you realize Hey, the first lady took off Hey, the second guy took off, which is me And then everybody just starts doing it We realized, hey, she's giving us the green light To see what these things really have Um, And they're fast I just gotta tell you, they are fast I can guarantee That I probably shouldn't tell you the speed limit That we did, because, uh it was probably not um, California highway speeds. It was probably X exceeding those. So I'm glad I didn't look down to find out. But uh, definitely was hard on the brakes coming off. And like I said, no engine braking. You felt all of it. So let's wrap up this show. Let's wrap up this Blab Fest. We're, we're two hours in. Wow. I thought we would be able to make a shorty out of this baby. Um, but no. So here's my recommendations. Here's my show wrap up here. My favorite bike of the show Of uh, all the bikes I got to test ride Was The Livewire SRS And uh, I believe it was the 2022 model If you were going to buy a 2022 Livewire I wouldn't recommend it Uh, I've seen a lot of stuff online Where they've gone to this Tesla model Where you buy a live wire Everything's hardwired into it already Everything is there on the bike But it's separated by paywalls And people are very upset about it Too bad I'm going over on this one And it's already uh, two hours because I had a very good I posted up on Reddit A uh, uh, question to the community Once I saw that they were doing this And people were livid Somebody, I, I said, you know To play devil's advocate here Isn't this greener They are making one bike now Instead of having to make five different bikes With five different packages There's there's four different Africa Twins There's a Suzuki V-Strom 1050 XT And a regular 1050 The Triumph Tigers, there's the nine range and inside there, there's the GTs, the rallies, the blah, blah. So rather than doing that, man, zero is making one bike and you can get them all depending on which price you want to pay. Um, now I, I, I believe that on one hand, that's a greener way to do things. But on the other hand, I think that if you buy something, you should own it. And what this is giving them a capability to do is when you resell this, now it gets reset. Now, if you have an iPad or an iPhone and it's got personal information, I understand that you might not want, you might want a factory reset button, but guaranteed if you buy an eight gig, uh, iPad, uh, or, you, or you have a 64 gig iPad, uh, and eight gig is like the, uh, the bottom base tier. When you sell that thing—a 64 gig iPad to somebody, or 128 gig, whatever your memory is—the next guy or girl that buys it, or alien, whoever's buying it, could be a swamp monster. Um, they're getting 64 gigs or 128 gig, whatever your model is of your phone or your iPad or uh, you know your baseball bat. It's 27 inches long. You know you're selling the baseball bat. Unless you cut that baby off. Um, they're going to get a 27-inch long baseball bat. They don't have to start out with a 24-inch and then pay for each additional inch that they want. You know, same thing with your your iPad. You can reset it to factory settings, wipe out all your personal information and disconnect all your accounts for all your apps that you had on there. But that's the decent thing to do. You don't want people to get your personal information or maybe have access to the apps that you had on there or any of that jazz. So a little a few people were pretty pissed off with zeros um, when I buy this, I want to own this you know and so for my devil's advocate, I just said, hey, wouldn't this be more green? The thing is is I do understand that when you sell this or you take it back to a dealer, they can now erase those settings and resell it to you again as a base model bike unless you pay these, which I don't think is fair. And I think it'll, it could mess with the consumer to consumer market, which is just as important as the business to consumer market. Uh, so we really don't have time to go into that whole, um, uh, conversation that we had on Reddit, but I should bring it up for another time and ask you now, what do you think? You know, how do you feel about that? Uh, zero doing that for 2022. I think I see why they're doing it. They're trying to make fewer bikes that can do more things. Uh, But putting everything behind a paywall Has a potential to do What uh, people got really pissed off about The video game industry doing Um, They're kind of mad at Tesla For doing uh, and, And people jailbreak Devices that are like that, and I could see you know somebody trying to jailbreak these these bikes. And then, what, what good did it do anybody, right? So, uh, you let me know what your feelings are about that, and we'll talk about that in another show. Um, right now, it's time to wrap up and tell you uh, that the Zero SRS was my favorite bike uh, that I rode that weekend and of the show. Uh, the V Strom. 1050 XT would be my pick for Wiggins. Uh, The fact that it's brand new, um, not much more than the uh, some of the used Africa Twins that you're looking at. It comes in at 14 something or other, and uh, that's just 4,000 more than the Tenere 700. And the Africa Twins are going up there for at least four grand more. you know, for the DCT, I know I, the other ones aren't quite as much, but they're they're still up there. They're still starting out at 14, 16, you know, stuff like that. So uh, if you could get a used V-Strom uh, with all these goodies on it, uh, just like you could have used Africa Twin, there you're still going to be saving some bucks so my second favorite bike was the v-strom and uh, that's actually the adv bike that i would have picked for wiggins now i didn't get a ride the super ten or the uh the tenere 700 um and all the other bikes that are adv bikes quote are either a too expensive or b not really ADV like the super tenere the versus the uh um, I feel like those are, those are more along the lines of a sport tour, uh, anyways. Um, and so even some of the triumphs, like the 1200s, Ducatis, stuff we didn't even talk about, um, wouldn't go for it. So the V-Strom is the one I think wigs should pick. And like I said, they've been out as the thousand forever. Um, and now they're out as the 1050 and they're just like the KL, uh, KLR 650, um, there's a, a cult sur- surrounding them, and they're made by Suzuki, which is one of the most overlooked. You know, they get criticized for bold new graphics all the time, and once you start looking into the stuff they have, it's pretty incredible. The uh, second bike, or uh, after after that, third on the list would have been the Triumph Tiger. Uh, that bike was pretty cool. I do like triples, so that was that was a good bike to ride again. Uh, surprised that those wheels are 21s. I really thought they were uh, 19s, but uh, what's a couple inches? Hey, hey, ladies um, and guys that like inches, what's a couple inches? Um, la- second to the, or after that would be the, uh, the live wire. I just really, you know, it was just another electric bike to me and it felt heavy uh, and it, uh, I just don't know. I just uh, didn't like the live wire. I do like all the charging. Uh, uh, Choices that you have But that's about it The 84 foot-pounds didn't really kick me in the pants like the 140 did. Uh, The looks of it, the the way it felt in the wind versus this fared SRS, which probably I wouldn't even like the SRF as much as the SRS. Maybe zero to zero would have been a crappy ride too, so should test rode another zero. Um, And last but not least, the Africa Twin. The best part about the Africa Twin was it did have a pretty cool display uh, and that it shut the turn signals off when you change lanes that is so nice that's one thing less to worry about smashing that cancel turn signal button and or forgetting to for 19 miles and being the annoying old person uh but yeah the africa twin i hated the way it felt uh the dct i hated the ride modes i hated the 4000 switches and it definitely felt taller it felt bigger than the V-Strom and the Triumph did for some reason. Um, those both felt smaller and a little bit more manageable. Like if I were if I were to have fallen over, um, Africa Twin just felt big. Uh, I think that was the. I think I had a low seat, but it was still the hardest to put my feet down. Uh, on actually the V Strom, I had to side butt, so I guess the V Strom was taller than the Africa Twin, even. Uh, I had to side butt it a couple times on that thing uh, to flat foot. So, uh, but yeah, the Africa Twin just I, didn't do it for me. But I know if Wiggs is a Honda fan, that's probably the one he'll be looking at. I would say give the CRF 450RL a chance, even though they're as much as a stinking. Tenere 700 are now So, With that we're going to close out this week's show This is our IMS wrap up uh, 2 hours and 15 minutes of Some idiot Blurbling on and I uh, hope you Enjoyed every minute of it we will talk To you uh, next Show and uh, maybe we'll talk About ICMA will be talk about 2022 and all The fun stuff happening in uh Skimmer Maru alright everybody With that take it easy and get out there and ride if you can. If you can't, suffer away. All right, bye.